Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Cartoncast. My name is Ben. My name is Zane. Do I introduce myself? Please Come on, you introduce yourself. <laughs> been here before. It's the same every time. <laughs> it's been a while. We, uh, we were finally established enough where it's the guest's fault. Oh, okay, yes. great. <laughs> yeah, and you, you, you specifically have been on here enough times to know. Well, uh, hello. My name is uh, Nick. Just give us the name for now. I'll loop uh, back to you in a second. I'm a Scorpio. Uh, <laughs> cool. Uh, we're joined by Nick Rhodes, and welcome to the podcast where we review old cartoons to see what we think of them as adults. Yeah. Um, and today, for our very special bootlegged segment, we are talking about a Goofy movie. <laughs> yes, uh, this was uh, recently requested by you, Nick, so uh, tell us a little bit about it. Well, Ooh. tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell me about... Being a Scorpio, is that like hard for you? Is that like a challenge mode? No, I mean for me, it's like I'm led to believe. I think for me, it's actually fairly easy. I think for the people around me, it can be a little bit more difficult. Yeah, because you have the poison resist. Exactly. Yeah, I can actually kill two birds with one stone here, uh, and tell you about (laughs) myself and this movie simultaneously. There's Uh, an old fable about uh, Nick trying to cross a podcast (laughs) with both of us, uh, and we're we're trying to carry him. And we don't want to because we're like, we you're are just going to derail the podcast halfway through. <laughs> you knew sure who I was when you picked me up, baby. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, no, of course I won't. It, I, I want to get through this podcast, too. But halfway through, you sting us by citing a bunch of references and singing a lot of old show tunes. And we're like, why did you do that? You sank the podcast. And you're like, it's because I'm a Scorpio. <laughs> My left foot. Um, <laughs> so this movie is like literally like part of my mythology like this is part of my origin story <laughs> this is my dead parents this is like me getting <laughs> sent from krypton i saw this movie when it came out and uh the next day began a like school started and i began a multi-segment uh performance to this kid next to me on the bus Every day I would recite, I made it through this entire movie, all the dialogue, all the songs, and I just did it in like little radio installments for him. I would be that, so pleased to watch you dress up as Powerline for Halloween. Oh my, man, uh, I want that. It looked good. It might be, it might, it might happen someday. Who knows? I see that you are wearing a Disney shirt, sir. Oh yeah. The, the, uh. So we get breakfast sandwiches at the same place every Saturday, sometimes every Saturday and Sunday. Um, and uh, last week I was actually, interesting enough, wearing a goofy movie mask. And and uh, okay, the, the uh, like, dead a, like possum a, hat. No, like a COVID mask, not yeah, like yeah. A, like a full face. Like I'm about to rob a bank mask. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> so I was robbing a bank, and uh, this, this uh, redacted. Um, Remember the the beginning of the Dark Knight where the Joker comes in and he says oh, it's a it's not about the money it's about gorge <laughs> <laughs> what about doesn't kill you makes son. you goofy <laughs> <laughs> dun, 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 dun. uh anyways she was like i'm sensing a theme are you into disney and i was like i am <laughs> and then we had a conversation about disney end of story ben follow up nah <laughs> so uh nick you are of course uh, a frequent friend of the show you have come over you have come on our show before for uh 13 ghosts of scooby-doo and captain simeon and the right. space monkeys. monkeys 
uh, that funky monkeys in yeah, space. Yeah, you know, that show is definitely uh, frequently on my mind. Uh, so thank you for coming back on the show. Uh, do you want to <laughs> tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, what you're doing these days? Um, yeah, just kind of give us give us the 411. I mean, you know... Not to get too much into the state of the world, but it may or may not be distracting right now from uh, other pursuits. Uh, <laughs> I think that I think objectively you can say that without much backlash. Uh, and I don't know. Uh, yeah, I've uh, I'm frequent podcast guest. Uh, if I also uh, did host a podcast for a long time, who knows? Maybe it'll come back someday. Um, I would love if- for it to come back. But, if anybody uh, wants you know, to check out, the, yeah, in a way, in a way that doesn't cause pressure on you to. Make oh, it sure. Back. Just yeah. enthusiasm without expectation. J- just to uh, just to give you where my head is at, uh, I shall read uh, the last review from my podcast uh, from Apple Podcasts. Uh, just to, just to give you an idea of what's up, um, and for the listener, uh, so they can choose themselves if they want to uh, go back and listen. Uh, so it says, this is from March 8th, 2020. Sally Cabot Mm. writes, I still believe that someday WWYSD will return and usher in a new age of peace and prosperity. (laughs) Four stars. (laughs) (laughs) It's the fours that are always the confusing ones. Right? The ones and twos and the fives. They all make sense. Three is like, okay, they're just wishy-washy. But the four... Yeah, why, why, why couldn't I earn that last star? Uh, but thank <laughs> you, Sally. What was stopping you? <laughs> uh, well, but think... yeah, back catalog of What's With You, Scooby-Doo is available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. No, it's not available on Stitcher. Uh, 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 Amazon, I think. Uh, Google Play. Uh, LinkedIn. I No. <laughs> you, you can, you can, it's okay. <laughs> and you, uh, and you currently uh, sometimes also uh, work with uh, Gary, also guest of the podcast on your uh, Nostalgia Sure, yeah, so. there's some back episodes of uh, uh, the 90s pop culture grab bag. Uh, it's very fun. We go through a toy, movie, and album from the 90s and kind of pick them apart and, you know, sort of unpack them. Uh, and we have a robot. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes, lovely, lovely Robotron. Uh, yeah. This this movie seemed like it would be fodder for that podcast, but I, I can tell that you wanted to come on and really dissect this movie. Uh, why why now? Why this? Why? I, I mean, why, this movie... why was this so influential to you that you recited all the songs on a bus for whatever reason? You know, I uh, I constantly think about this is going to be a sort of sidetrack, but I constantly think about the fact that like whatever bullet was flying through the air that I happened to like be in the path of that made my favorite band be less than Jake. Like, I don't know why that happened. I don't know how it happened, <laughs> but like somehow like I ended one. up knowing every less than jake song and like i like now that's like my favorite band it's like okay well you know i can't change that now you you have a you have an approach to media that is um i don't want to say addictive but like borders on mysticism (laughs) well yeah yeah it's definitely (laughs) it's actually really good that we're talking about a goofy movie because i want to spend some time later on on the character that is goofy Mm -hmm. um 
particular because particularly because of one of his best strengths, which I think you actually share with him, which is this 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 lack of fear to be to be vulnerable, to like really indulge <laughs> in your passions without being worried about how you will be perceived. Damn. I like this. Right? Let's talk more about me. Uh, <laughs> Enjoy the mythology. <laughs> Enough about me. Let's talk about me. As opposed um, to Ben, who really kind of seems like the Pauly Shore character. He's constantly <laughs> eating cheese, <laughs> extending oh, words. Jedrowizzy! <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, let, let's get into this movie. Um, a goofy movie. It was produced by Disney, of course, in uh, mm-hmm. 1995. And it was actually the follow-up to the cartoon series. Usually it goes in the other direction. Uh, the series Goof Troop, um, which well, had a great video game. together. I barely <laughs> had remember a sequel, Goof an extremely Troop. goofy movie. I mm. barely remember Goof Troop at all as, as a game? TV show. I remember the oh, video yeah. game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, actually, Nick, if you if you and Gary can like live stream playing Goof Troop video game, that oh my would God, be entertaining. Oh, my God, yeah, I, I, there's a good chance that Gary is actually playing that game right now. <laughs> <laughs> like I love the, the consistency of our guests. Yeah, right? <laughs> We're, we all have our brands. The movie was directed by Kevin Lima as his first film, uh, and he decided to give Goofy a more emotional and sympathetic role than he had previously demonstrated. So, a couple, um, If you don't mind, a couple notes yeah. about Kevin Lima. He was apparently a writer for some of the older Disney movies like Aladdin and Little Mermaid, and I think he brought a lot of that expertise to crafting this movie, and in mm-hmm. my opinion, hit the ground running. It is odd, because this came out during the whole Disney Renaissance musical thing, but it's not considered part of that <laughs> grouping. No, it got well, pretty mixed let me reviews. Add to the, let me add to this history a little bit, that this sure. was in production at the same time as the Lion King. So there are, mm-hmm. there's a group of, you know, there, there's an entire crew that's like, we're making the most important uh, uh, animated movie of the past century. Like we are. And then it was like, hey, you guys over there, get back to work on a goofy movie. <laughs> yeah, there was well, actually a little thing. bit of controversy in terms of why they made the movie um, because there was uh, somebody who they uh, actually released from working for Disney. Um, who was it? I, I just had the name up. I'm sorry. It's not John Lasseter. <laughs> no. Oh, did he go on to do very important things? Uh, he's been known. He, he, has a, <laughs> he has a couple uh, titles under his belt. <laughs> well, while you're looking for that, um, you know, the movie itself was seen as less critical than those other films. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it had a smaller budget. And it actually, like, it was outsourced to other departments outside of, like, the animated movies you know segment and it was like let's have the guys in france work on this let's have you know the b crew kind of kind of handle this one uh uh yeah the the same animators who had worked in london on who framed roger rabbit because because during this time they were really putting their stars that the, the ones that brought disney prominence on the back burner to make way for these much more you know mythological grimm's fairy tale based movies mm. Ben, any 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 word on that name? Oh, did he freeze? All right. Well, we've lost Ben. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we're not getting that name. It's cursed knowledge. <laughs> the name the that never shall, never shall be spoken. Yeah. All right. Welcome back. Sorry about that. I was uh yeah I was I was out for for a minute there. I don't <laughs> know why, but it, my my internet tried to change to a different internet. It was very sad. That's fine. 
the uh, metamorphosis ben, begins. Ben, you are not currently looking anything up, can you tell us a little bit about who Goofy is? Oh, it was uh, Katzenberg. It was, uh, oh, Jeffrey Katzenberg. Katzenberg. Yes. Um, he had been let go by Disney's CEO, uh, Michael Eisner at the time. And it was the, it, like a Goofy movie being released was seen by many as simply fulfilling contractual obligations. Um, and it met with pretty mixed to middling reviews um, in, in, in the box office. But it has actually retained something of a cult following among millennials uh, to the point of actually eventually getting a sequel with an extremely goofy movie. So um, wasn't well liked at the time, I think. Uh, some of the common criticisms that were kind of levered against it were that um, it, it doesn't let goofy be goofy, which I think is categorically untrue. Um, <laughs> and that it has a mediocre You, you added more score. depth to this character, thus betraying the character. Yeah, I know. I mean, you the, actually an put a plot there. I just think in a like a one. character arc. <laughs> Um, it also cites that there there is a mediocre musical score, which I think, aside from the powerline features, is a fairly reasonable critique to lever against it. None of them are really stand out. They're all kind of just pleasant Disney Disney stuff. Nick, you seem like you have something that you wanted to jump in on. Well, I don't know if I uh, agree with middling. I mean, you know, is it uh, uh, was it not written by Elton John? Yes, that is true. But I think as are it, most things. Well, right, That's two and I, strikes I right think... there. As far as like the songs go, it's not structured in the movie musical paradigm that was brought yeah. by Howard Ashman and Alan Menken on Little Mermaid, and then continued through to uh, uh, through Aladdin, uh, and then you know kind of yeah. uh, made it into Lion King. Although I could argue that Lion King doesn't tent pull as well as you know songs like. Uh, 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 part of part of your world, or you know, uh, uh, mm -hmm. Prince Ali. You know, these are more like tentpole songs in the plot. It's, um, it's, it's you can tell the difference listening. Where in Aladdin, those songs are meant to be sung in the context of a movie, whereas a lot of these songs, except for the Powerline ones, are really feel more like like high school stage musical. Yeah, yeah I it feels a like lot old of high school, school musical. musical. Mm -hmm. Or like uh, uh like uh you know if you watch um. White Christmas or Holiday Inn or you know old Bing Crosby movies. If you just like, happen to be watching those, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, you walk into a room and somebody's like, "Oh, you got me watching Holiday Inn," uh, and you're like, "Oh, is it the blackface?" <laughs> don't number? come Great. in here, please. Don't come in here. You don't want to see this. But it, does, but like, you think that like Irving Berlin was just writing pop songs and then putting them in shows you know i mean uh, uh surrey with the fringe on top or you know any of these yeah. songs that were in musicals that don't advance the plot it's just like hey we're gonna take a minute and pause and sing let's do this it's kind of yeah. like that that's a really good point and to it's to its credit i think that maybe the kind of tentpole prince ali kind of songs that are a staple of the disney musical wouldn't have worked as well here because this wasn't really this, this is more of a long cartoon than it is a movie. I, I think it yeah. does flesh out Goofy's character into something more than than a regular cartoon would do. I think that it is uniquely good as a feature, you know, length movie thing. But it, it wasn't created whole cloth to be a musical movie. It had a source material of, like, this long cartoon history. Mm -hmm. And so... I think maybe just like the pleasant, not really tentpole, but more just like integrated into the story kind of musical, yeah. uh, maybe was a better directional choice. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, I have here, the score was written by Carter Burwell, who composed music for a lot of the Coen Brothers movies. He's kind of their guy. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, so, uh, whatever I love problems we have, whatever we, whatever problems we have with this musically, which I think we'll we'll discuss as they come. Um, the technical aspects are regularly praised for this movie. Um, specifically, it's you know it's just a cartoon elongated. The cartoon was kind of <laughs> already there, so all you really had to do was kind of flesh it out, add more frames, and there you go. Um, but also, the sound effects I want to point out specifically are just divinely inspired because <laughs> it's it's regular sound effects for the whole movie but when our point of reference character is goofy it is fucking Fleischer Brothers style sound effects <laughs> like through and through and it, that is such a good way to get you in the mind of this character because right. goofy is like a black hole around which reality bends in this movie <laughs> whenever he is nearby things are just like the laws of squeeze and stretch are applied like crazy hard noodle physics every which way. Lots of like violence clouds and like that old animation style. He's making it goofier. It's the it's closest so to a Looney Tune that Disney can get. Yeah, Disney yes. steals from the best. <laughs> yes, <laughs> well, well put. Yeah. So let's talk about Goofy uh, and, and the other characters briefly. Um mm-hmm. Because like we don't really need to talk much about Goofy because he's so well established as a as a character, and we already talked about him a little bit on uh, Disney's House of Mouse, where we agreed he was really the only good character. Well, I mean, part of his personality is extant with this movie because, as I had stated before, you know, um, other than the pivotal moment wherein he becomes a cleric in Kingdom Hearts, uh, I think the most, you know, the biggest change to his character <laughs> in history is his relationship with his son. Which he totally has now. Well, it's interesting that Disney made a show about a single dad. You yeah, know? where are like, their moms? Right. It's a, well, uh, Pete does have, a, or Pete has a wife in the show. Sure. Uh, not she's in the just movie. Not, yeah, she's <laughs> just, she's yeah. left she him. Was let's face it, he's an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> How he got custody of PJ, I do not know. Uh, but. Uh, it, it, they did just take a movie where they were like, we're going to explore this relationship. Uh, mom's out of the picture for some odd reason. Or maybe uh, it, there's some literature somewhere where Goofy reproduces asexually. I don't know. Uh, this is kind of a classic 90s cartoon formula where in order to draw, like, like it, it's sort of a reaction to those happy family sitcoms of like the 50s through the 80s. Um, where you my three have sons a or something parent in a lot of cartoons as a way to kind of both make it a little bit realistic and kind of kind of I don't know edgy feels like the wrong word but it, it kind of narrows down the focus of what relationships are being explored yeah right we we only have these two characters because that's what we're focused on I mean going it back it's to- a little bit more conflict because broken households are or whatever the terminology is it just logistically is more challenging and it makes conflict and drama pop out easier i mean it is also ironic in the sense or coincidental maybe that you know uh jeffrey katzenberg at the time is going through his own daddy issues with michael eisner (laughs) (laughs) and And you know he wanted to be he wanted to be made president michael eisner tried to take him fishing but he just wanted to go to la to that concert you know what it's that's not far off (laughs) and i i think it's really interesting like um you know uh what's the word when it all like comes into a single thing congeal 
Coalesce? No, it's synecdoche, but I'm tired of using that word. <laughs> New York? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, it, it, it's a nice little... Uh, synergy? Aspect of, it's a nice... Yeah, you know what? Fine. It's a nice synergy where um, Goofy in the movie is acting as, hey, the old ways. Let's do things the way we've always done, very traditional. And Max is saying, like, no, the new, it's always, it's always the new thing. Mm-hmm. It kind of works in the same way the movie does bringing this character and this mythology into the modern era so that it can try to stand against what the people actually like from disney nowadays yeah, yeah and, I, and let's yeah let's i think define, that that's very astute let, let's define a little bit more expertly what we are discussing with goofy specifically because originally you know he, he he's gone through this whole arc like mickey has you know torturing animals than being a chain Mickey. smoker eventually evolving into like the goofy that we know and love which is an out of touch goober uh, yeah trying to play golf <laughs> yeah he's, he's, he's a visible for he's a he's a visi- he's he has a vehicle for physical comedy for the mm-hmm. most part but he has like this good-natured naivete that makes it hard not to root for him um and that is the way in which we are we we are we perceive him early on through Max's perspective because he is a moody teen and does not like his does, doesn't oh, is afraid think? of turning into his dad. He resents. It. You don't understand my music, Dad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but later on in the movie, the edges start getting filled in that shows he's not actually as big a fool as he seems. He's just kind of unafraid of being happy. Who he is? Yeah, I like, mean, yeah. He, it's the it's sort of a play out of the uh, the Mark Twain quote that's you know like when I was eighteen my parents were idiots and when I turned twenty I was amazed how much they learned, you know, <laughs> this, this idea that you know when, once you start peeling back the layers of the onion you know you start to actually see kind of what's going on and you start to see some of the motivations and maybe Goofy's not so goofy or what 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 being Goofy is is like a choice rather than a necessity. Yeah. Yeah, And 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 because we are historically familiar with the goofy that is, looks so silly. We're going through the same thing that Max is, which is like over the course of the movie, we're being revealed to the fact that, Oh, this character can actually have more depth. Yeah. Yeah. The, the sentiment I often see regarding this movie is, you know, millennials growing up watching this relate with Max and they're like, come on, it's, it's a concert. He's trying to get with the girl. He's trying to be cool. Why are you bringing him down? And now they relate more with Goofy, like, this trip means so much to your dad, Max. Why don't you just, just give him this? Like, And watching it, I found myself, you know, a little bit frustrated by the way that Goofy doesn't listen to his son. And that, I think, is still where I stand. But um, it, it, we'll get to it. It's an interesting dynamic. It's a the really good relationship. The dynamic is beautiful. And, like, whether or not, like, you come down on one side or the other, it is plain to see how much his world revolves around Max. And that is just... Right. If you still have any appetite, 2020 listener, for the phrase big dad energy, <laughs> here you go. This is it. Uh, uh, I, I would say also, uh, as if we're talking about BDE, uh, he also does have like some swagger to him. <laughs> BDE? Oh, yeah. Him? Like, legs... Just so far away from each other. Yeah, he's got Goofy. <laughs> oh, yeah, Goofy knows what's going on. He's and he's ready for it. <laughs> um, so Max is uh, played by Jason Marsden, who we've seen as Richie in Static Shock and Tino from The Weekenders, and uh, Chester McBadbat from uh, Chester McBadbat. 
from a, a fairly odd fairly parents. odd parent yeah and he was aged up in the tv show it was played by another actor um and it was a younger character and i think aging him into this like uh, moody teenager uh was the right decision here because it, it allows you to see like it is it can be difficult in shows to really uh concentrate that angst that teenagers have yeah, I mean, he's uh, he's a Marty McFly type, right? You know, <laughs> he's playing guitar. He's you know, he's listening to the loud music and little uh, Bart Simpson thrown in there for the skateboarding. Yeah, right. It was the nineties. <laughs> yeah, check, I mean, check all those is, boxes. <laughs> I mean, it's also necessary in order to fuel the story because yes, when you're a younger child, you can have spats with your your parents. But it really crystallizes with those teenage angst years. So mm-hmm. agreed. It's that's the, this is the right age for him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he can um, be interested in girls and make it believable. <laughs> yeah, he begins as the relatable teen that we know from like uh, other Jason Marsden properties, such as Boy Meets World, uh, where you're <laughs> obsessed with popularity, crushing on a girl, um, and scared of turning into your parents. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, open on field. <laughs> yep. Uh, as we explore the relationship with Goofy throughout this movie, we see that Goofy has kind of treated him like a little kid, maybe longer than is healthy. Um, I mm-hmm. think something that is also informed by the single parent kind of thing and also the amount that he just is devoted to his son. But Yeah, fear of the empty nest kind of thing. Uh-huh. Yeah, he's, he's a little protective. He's a little sheltering, which, you know, hits home for me for, for my upbringing. And what we see, I think, that is really useful is that it's not about setting firm boundaries. It's about treating him as as his own person, treating mm-hmm. him with the respect that you would afford to their own person. And, you know, how do you make a child behave like an adult? You treat him like one. I think that's really, really the arc that he goes through. And it's really hard for Goofy because, as you said, he doesn't have a lot else going on. So if he gives Max that independence and Max decides he doesn't want anything to do with him, that's devastating. Yeah, well, right. That, that's it, way harder for Goofy than it is for Max. You know, in, in the uh, the moment on top of the car, they're rushing down the river and they're ignoring the fact that they're about to die because they're in the middle of having an argument. Uh, and, you know, he says, I'm not your little boy anymore. And he says, I know that. I just, you know, I just want to be a part of your life. Right. And, yeah. yeah. You know, oh, that's such there, a good moment. There is that sort of like idea that he does know that Max is growing up, but he's kind of not admitting it to himself because of what that of the 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 possibilities that 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 could open up. I mean, him leaving, you know, him not being uh, uh, not, you know, accepting the responsibility as a son, you know, all these kinds of things. Yeah, this movie does a really good job of framing both perspectives as neither completely correct or completely incorrect. Yeah. Yeah. It's clear that for cartoon dogs, they're very human. (laughs) Yes. Oh, this is as human as Goofy's ever been. Again, accepting Kingdom Hearts, wherein he helps Sora defeat, you know, uh, the Heartless. Right. Right. Of course. um, Yes. if, If we want to talk about cartoon dogs who are way too human, we should touch on the other characters, specifically Roxanne, who... I don't Why know. Why is this dog so hot? <laughs> yeah, I, this is this I'll is troubling the one who says for me. It. Well, I was I was too young for that when this movie came out, but I'll tell you when Space Jam came out, well, Lola Bunny, <laughs> whoo boy. It's a, it's the same thing that we got in Alvin and the Chipmunks with the with the chipettes. Like these are just these like very. You don't need to make a dog that hourglass. 
right (laughs) (laughs) that's not necessary like we you put too much blush on this schnauzer yeah um (laughs) she honestly is a very very uh is is not a particularly useful role other than to like it she's She's a foil right yeah 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 oh oh, that that that's a probably an issue that like that's not what the movie was go- was trying to do it really focused in on this father-son relationship but a little bit more depth would have been nice she's just a yeah. focus of the male gaze yeah <laughs> honestly yeah <laughs> i don't know man those hips but um yeah those hips don't lie uh, and uh, Roxanne is voiced I, by kelly martin who is daphne on a pup named scooby-doo oh very uh. nice um i think the better foils are probably pete and pj his uh goofy's pete and pete frenemy i guess and, yeah uh, co-worker son. slash <laughs> yeah just just antagonist is his uh the devil on his shoulder um pete yeah. is played by jim cummings who was geppetto and i'm sure he was in other stuff um <laughs> <laughs> that's the no. poll <laughs> oh, of course we 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 know jim cummings very well as we as do we know the voice actor for pj who is rob paulson who played people like pinky yeah, this is a Rob Paulson ass character. It's, like, it's very Rob Paulson. This is this is not a voice at all. Right, it screams yeah, yeah. it. Um, and and they provide the kind of useful foil of like, this is what happens to a father and son dynamic that you try to control too much. Um, Pete, mm-hmm. Pete clearly yeah, doesn't let it wouldn't PJ be, be it his wouldn't own be person. Too hyperbolic to say that it's somewhat toxic. <laughs> I, 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 think that, I think that tracks. I think there's evidence there. Yeah, I mean it's it's like just shy of being an abusive relationship. There's a yeah. moment where PJ just comes out with a thousand yard stare and like, like, sort of winces as though he's a dog that's about to get kicked. Like it's it's terrifying. Yeah, I mean the whole bowling alley thing where he screams for him to like hit a like j- to hit the one pin so that he can like pretend like he got a strike. Yeah. To to whom? To to just the world. Like, yeah, just to himself. like no one's watching him <laughs> to right. to himself. This is um, another part of the teenage experience that is a fear for parents, which is at a certain point, your child's friends have more impact on their development than you do. And when you see how their your child's friends' parents turned out, you're like, oh no, no, I don't want my son turning out like that guy. Right. For both of them, they both feel that way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, side point. Is there any doubt in your mind? Uh, there's no evidence for this other than the characters that we see on the screen. Goofy's wife died tragically. Yeah, definitely. Pete's wife left him for a better man. Most assuredly. A- absolutely correct, right? Like, you think no, it's the same woman? There's no question about no. it. <laughs> you know, you know what I you know what I uh the side movie I kind of wanna see is where she's trying to reconcile with PJ and like he's not having it and we get like oh, the classic yeah. like you left me, mom. You <laughs> left him. me with him. And you know, she that... has to like explain what she went through. I'm actually kind of interested in that. Like, I'd watch that movie. <laughs> But those are most of the main characters uh, that get a little bit of fleshing out, but it's really all about Goofy and Max. Oh, are we not going to touch on uh, the uh, sartorially superior Stacy? <laughs> oh, is she my, the one with the glasses? My wife was like, ooh, Stacy deserves her own show. I want to see her. Right? She's she got the, those, she like... She's the one in the auditorium? 
really bizarre. <laughs> a yeah. really interesting character. <laughs> she looks like a like an advertisement for one of those department stores from that era. Like the giant <laughs> like hat. I mean, it's great. Why did this I forgot weird... about your fondness for department stores of the mid nineties? Oh my gosh, Macy's. Uh, let Let's get into it. It's It's good times. <laughs> this was kind of one of my problems, which is like, why did this secondary one dimensional character still have more characterization than the like main female lead? Well, because she's the goofy best friend. I mean, that's that is a staple of like '90s rom coms. You have the mm-hmm. goofy best friend who actually has a personality, and then you ju- you have the woman whose only purpose is to fall in love. It's exactly mm-hmm. that simple. Like uh, Roxanne was defined to fulfill a purpose, and the side character was not. Right. Yeah. So they get to like have a little bit more fun, and you know, there there there's no, there can be no edge to Roxanne. Uh, Roxanne's treatment is very unfortunate, Roxanne. but God damn it, you beat me to it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really expected you to hit on that. We said earlier. Roxanne so many times that there was no way that someone wasn't going to go Roxanne. <laughs> I think that's probably our lead out for this episode. <laughs> so glad that we got oh, that. You better right put some goof troop music in here because that game is. Yeah. Oh, very nice. Isaac Hayes. Yeah. All right, uh, are we straight up Barry uh, White? Go into it? it was a good get. Let's get into it. So, so we, we open up with uh, Max in a field looking at his crush, Roxanne. Feels like this is a reference. Yeah, there's a lot of things that feel that way. That yeah. Yeah, like it should be like a, like a, a Zabriskie or something, a Zabriskie point or something weird like that. It felt uh, like some sort of Twilight Zone thing or maybe like a 80s B horror movie kind of deal because uh, soon after, you know, uh, trying to, uh, you know, having fun with Roxanne, rolling around in some in a field somewhere, which is, I, I assume is how all romances start now. Um, he has a nightmare about turning into his dad. And the transformation <laughs> oh, sequence underscores just how horrific Goofy's model is. <laughs> because Max has Bart Simpson-esque proportions. He looks like a, you know, a child what got aged up. Yeah. And Goofy has one of those, you know how Hey Arnold, uh, his, his grandpa had that head that was like a, a fully, <laughs> like, a fully cleaned and gutted turkey? Almost. Yeah. <laughs> Like, it just looks inhuman in a way that, uh, you know, uh, that that Max does not. I mean, the, 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 the nub popping up on the back of his head, like, specifically. It's what does just that kind of nub like, do? Why? <laughs> well, that's for <laughs> that's, aerodynamics. That's puberty. That exudes the pheromone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, this, this sequence reminded me of another horrifying Disney thing. It was, like, a short before a movie where Mickey Mouse goes to this, like, mad scientist tower and gets his brain put into a monster. Yes, I remember that. Did that give anybody else nightmares? Um, I thought it was Tiny Toon Adventures. They, they also did that. Brain ah. surgery was big in the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? What's going on? Uh, the man why, with why two brains, so uh, Steve Martin. Yeah, the whole vanilla ice thing. <laughs> D- ditch the zero and get with the hero? Uh, what, what? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. You say to your own brain. <laughs> uh, it was on my mind. Anyways. Uh, but yes. Yeah, so uh, he wakes he- up and uh, he- he's getting a call from PJ about missing something. Yeah, there's some sort of clandestine plan going on with the two of them, but um, we, we aren't given details before Goofy just 
barges it barges in in oh, the daddest way he can. I think this. I think that this movie does a good amount of showing and not telling. Like I yeah. think that that's one thing that it. But there really isn't like any ham-fisted exposition where it's just like, hey. Remember, we're setting up this concert so that you can get the like. It shows yeah, you find us out this when the audience finds nicely. Out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I also love like the goofy entering thing. Like every kid has had the parent barge into the room, realize they were supposed to knock, go back out into it. Like that is <laughs> such a weird niche thing that I feel like everyone had. <laughs> also, like straight out of the like get go, like they're making choices. Like uh, Goofy has his towel up, like. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's just like, it's like choice after choice, like just like little touches here and there. It's great. That's a good point. <laughs> then he messes like, up the power line cutout. He's like, oh, who's that? Like, you should know your son's biggest interest. I'm, well, a, I'm, a, I'm an out of touch old guy. Yeah, who, not bigger uh, than Xavier uh, Cougar yeah, at the Mambo the King. Again, we're, we're looking through, we're looking at Goofy through Max's lens. He's our point right. of reference character for the beginning here, so he has to look silly. Point of animation, when Goofy sucks up all the clothes in the vacuum cleaner, this is the first, this is going to happen a lot, where (laughs) the animation of the moment only works because Goofy is the one doing it. Right. Like, the whole, you know, I love the way this happens. Whenever, yeah, the, the vacuum gets a thing and you can see the hose, which is probably a more rigid object than we are led to believe here, expand as the clothes are being sucked through the tube. Yeah, it's like old school uh, Shaggy from Scooby-Doo with a sandwich. <laughs> like, yeah. Yes. Getting that yeah, sandwich right in the middle of the jaw. throat. <laughs> oh, yeah. And like you hear that like splash in a, in a bathtub kind of noise when it actually when he swallows it. So good. I'm glad we had you on for this because there's so many like little classic flourishes to the animation and sound effects here. Yeah, can you do some foley? Can you do like a Michael Winslow kind of? Is this the wrong guy? Um, we we move into our big first uh, musical number. They've been laughing since I can remember, but they're not gonna laugh anymore. No more Maxie the geek. No more goof of the week like before. Yeah, yeah, this is the classic Disney I Want song. Right. A um, uh, ton of Rob Paulson all over this song as well. Like, he must Actually, be, I think, like, half the wait, population of this student body. You already got him in the, in the studio. Like, why not? Like, uh, I swear, like, three of the No More Gyms are him. Like, No More Gym, No More Gym, No More Gym. <laughs> They're like, Cloned just do them all. Copy paste. Uh, it's worth pointing out that uh, Aaron Lore was actually the uh, the voice for the was Max's same voice. Yeah, um, even though Jason Marsden can sing, I thought it worked out fine. Like yeah, I didn't notice great. it in the moment. It all it all felt appropriate. Yeah. When, when he was singing, that was when it most hit me. Like this is a theater musical because he had big like high school, you know, head of the drama club energy for all of his songs. She looked right through me. Could blame her. I need a new me plus some positive proof that I'm not. Head <laughs> of the drama club energy, I like it. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, a lot and of this does, today. This does give us like 
you know, there's a beginning and end to this song where we are in the plot. Like, I just said, you know, no ham-fisted exposition, but that's kind of what musicals do. And, you know, we get the, like, she looked right through me, you know, and it's like, (laughs) oh, okay, so he's pining after the girl. Uh, This dude, it's the last day of school. (laughs) You know, let's just check the boxes. There's an element to this story where, you know, as you said, there there were things that were doing more innovative things uh, in in production at the time, like Lion King. Mm. And this is so much a classic throwback in certain ways, both because of Goofy, but also like the formula is just well-trod ground. You know, the, yeah. the I am a teen. I have teenager problems mm. in the high school. We're going to like my, my my biggest fears are being nobody and being embarrassed and, um, you know, it. This is this is like pretty well trod ground that the first song is kind of covering. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. But so like I think if you were just to state it without a song to back it up, it would come across as a little flat. This yeah. helps lubricate the beginning a bit. Well, you can you sing could... things that you would never say, right? And that makes it you know that makes it okay. Like if you yeah. say I love you, it only carries so much weight. But when you sing I love you, like it now has this extra added like a uh, 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 universal universe that it resides in that you know yeah it, uh, it, oh it's honest because the emotion <clears throat> is strong enough to drive them to sing like that's right that's like the rule like that's why singing happens in musicals and yeah i think this song does check all the boxes and off acts as the i want song because not only do we understand the character and what he wants and that stuff it's also serving to say like hey everyone this is the kind of movie we're gonna have right so if you're not into it here, here's the get off. We, we've we've made the music man for teenagers. Let's get we into it. We have landed. <laughs> the movie has landed. There is a nice little bit of irony where it's like you know the big like the the literally the big finish, and then just everybody just kind of like all right, <laughs> like, yeah, shuffles and wanders away. <laughs> like we've all had this like big moment. We're set, great, and then it's just like and walk away. <laughs> but yeah, the the song ends with um with uh with. Uh, Max, is it the song that ends with uh, Max and Roxanne meeting for the first time here? Yeah, because well, he, he, he like... falls down the stairs and she picks him up, or falls down oh, the bleachers right, right, right. Right after uh, uh, John Travolting from Greece. <laughs> <laughs> Not from Hairspray. He... No, no, specifically from Greece when he I does... from Hairspray. <laughs> and he like leans up over the bleachers, like Max does that, that. It's great. Yeah. Um, and he, I, I love how when he is uh, uh, befuddled in front of Roxanne, he 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 yucks, right? He, he goes yeah, he back default. to his goofy. It's so yeah. good. Like there's some kind because of DNA you. pattern in like in goofdom that, that yeah. you know well, under duress, like you know the 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 goofy brain takes over, like you know. It shows you that when he he goes haywire, he reverts to that. That means that. His being a cool guy, being confident, that's the facade. Yes. That he wants so desperately to hold on to. Yeah. And it's a or- facade because he is he is concerned. Like, the yuck being both reflexive and looking inevitable, it fits into that I'm afraid to be my dad dynamic that really tells you why he is repressing it so hard. Is because yeah. it's it's he can't get rid of it. I'd actually, I, I, I think it's slightly more nuanced and this is my argument for that uh the the i don't think the cool guy thing is a persona but i think he because i mean 
let's face it, evidence from this movie, this kid is cool as fuck. <laughs> like, he's yeah, got he's so weird. <laughs> rad dance moves. He can skateboard like a motherfucker. Like, he's Ferris Bueller, you know? But, and, like, in the in the opening musical segment, he is, like, it, he's firmly in the dweeb, but not the obvious kind of dweeb, kind of dweeb. Right. Yeah, kind of space. Yeah, he can be overlooked, like he's, he's, but he's set not up as a loser. So, but I think what he needs to do is he needs to find his whole personality. Like, I don't think he's lying to himself, and I don't mm-hmm. think the self discovery is, oh, I was this all along. It's he knows what's inside of him. He knows that he's cool as hell, but also there's this goofy part of him, and it's it's coming to that acceptance of that goof and integrating it into like I'm both of these things. I'm not one yeah. or the other. I don't need to be my dad or me. Like I can be a whole person, which you know is a, a huge struggle of being a teenager. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, um, I barely feel like a whole person now. Right, <laughs> right. Like just getting out of bed. And I think that's Max's big arc is coming to understand his dad's goofiness is actually a reflection of how self-assured he is, <laughs> and recognizing the merits in uh, accepting the sillier parts of yourself because it's it's a form of strength. Being yeah, shown all... to be that vulnerable is a way to express strength. Which is that you know that. Not to skip ahead this far, but which is the ending of, you know, literally the last shot of the movie is him exploding, yeah. coming through the ceiling, and he introduces him to Roxanne. Hey, here's two, here's here's the the sections of my life. The Venn diagram is becoming a circle, you know? <laughs> yes. Um, um, so we, we go to the auditorium wherein... Well, first um, he meets up with his buddies, because we have to introduce these characters, Buddy One oh, that's and right. Pauly Shore. <laughs> yeah, Bobby, like, no. Absolutely, like, what? No. This, yes. this is a monster. There was a moment where somebody was like, I think we can get Polly Shore, and somebody didn't say no. <laughs> like, that had to be what happened, right? He's definitely a drug addict in this, right? I think um, the Honest Trailers uh, nailed it with their uh, their look at this guy, which is like, just the right amount of Polly Shore and not a second more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he gets out of the way as fast as I want him to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he he does exactly what he needs to do, which you know, he wheezes the juice or whatever, and then yeah, he's absolutely a drug addict. <laughs> well, like, he's also like just for his payment and talks about it like it's a cocaine addiction. And I mean, you know, we could sit here all day and talk about like you know, Lorenzo music really never did anything but the Lorenzo music thing. But like he, but you know, <laughs> Venkman or all these characters were interesting. Garfield was interesting. Like this is just Polly Shore doing. I mean, this could be they could have just like cut dialogue out of Biodome <laughs> and just like pasted it in and then gave him a check. <laughs> Max needed a confederacy of nerds, and yeah. this is uh, this is how you sure. get there. Yeah, these yeah, are the nineties. The these are the nineties version of losers who are all like still like cool as hell. Like we all wear baggy jeans with rips in them, and like it was that easy to be cool in the nineties. Yeah, like you're not. That's you don't have to be in a motorcycle gang. Like you just kind of gotta you you know look like Eddie Vedder. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but th- then we do go to the auditorium where uh, the principal makes it very clear: students, it is down to you, and it is down to me. Science slumber parties. <laughs> God, yeah. When I realized this was Vicini from Princess Bride, it basically basically killed me. Oh my God! Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, actor and playwright Wallace Shawn. <laughs> uh, he's phenomenal. Known for only the one thing. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, clueless. Two things. Three but things. Yeah, like 
like school is letting out soon and so he's kind of giving a fond farewell hey this is the stuff that's going on over the summer being kind of a engaged principal which i value in yeah. this uh in my he, older age he's like a more uh realistic version of building right like like if, if building is like an insane principal like who is way too involved in his students lives like this is a realistic principal who's like hey it's the end of school like i'm i, I value my job as a principal like maybe yes. i'm a little draconian but like still like you know yeah, i am a principal enjoy the like, summer I, and make good choices yeah yeah you know that i have I just got to say this shit. I'm not like expecting you guys to listen. Right. And then um, uh and then they murder him, right? He's dead. Well, they, <laughs> he just fell well, down they, a trap door and snapped his neck. <laughs> they hijack the assembly and since that is the source of his power, a uh, hmm. sort of phylactery if you will. Uh yes, that that leads to his untimely demise. What is this real time like after effects that they've pulled together? To like, I mean, when he jumps out into the four corners and like, like, what is this on the fly programming Polly Shore is able to do? Open up your eyes, take a look at me. Get the picture fixed in your memory. I'm driven by the rhythm like the beat of a hawk. And I won't stop until I start to stand out. He's like welding wires together. I wasn't really sure why that was happening. Yeah, so, so the context for this is the coolest rock star is uh, Powerline, who is basically like Michael Jackson Prince. with some hammer pants yeah. yep. in like a, in like a you know, uh, radiation hazard suit. Yeah, played by Tevin Campbell, uh, who is actually in, this is, this is fun, uh, as a child, he was in the sequel to Purple Rain. There was a sequel to Purple Rain? There was. It's called Graffiti Bridge, and it's amazing. Uh, as part of his contract, Prince said that he would be the only person allowed to write and direct the sequel to Purple Rain, and Warner Brothers was like, yeah, sure, whatever, we just need a sequel. That call. <laughs> your, your likeness creates money, sir. Tevin Campbell plays a small child who's got a song uh, in it. Where the, the whole thing is on sets. It's like a movie musical. It's beautiful. It's amazing. Uh, check it out. Uh, but Tevin Campbell is in that. Uh, so he's a prince protege. Honestly, the, the song itself, it works for me. Uh, this is Stand Up, which is kind of, you know, another Disney-like uh, kind of like call to action, uh, exultation of youth sort of sort of song. Um, and it sort of is encompassing Max's drive to be to be popular, to be more, to uh, evolve in a pattern that doesn't, you know, turn him into his father. Stand out above yeah. the crowd, even if you have to shout out loud. Till mine yeah, to be, is the to be only clear, face Max you see. is Max is pretending to be Powerline, and it gets him in good with the entire student body and with Rapsan. It's yeah. a pretty familiar teen movie setup where, like, the loser tries to do something cool and it sort of blows up in his face. But also works. If I can make you stop and take a look at me instead of just. There's nothing that I wouldn't do if it was getting you to notice. Yeah, it, it totally works, but he what was his plan? He seemed surprised that he was quote-unquote busted 
did he like assume that he wouldn't be unmasked at some point? Yeah, like what? yeah, like what in the scenario where this goes perfectly, like does he end up like going to her bedroom window dressed as Powerline? Like I was singing that to you, and she's like, "Oh, mysterious stranger." Oh, I know you were because <laughs> you did it in front of everyone. Uh, yeah, he has to out himself at least to the people that he's showing off in front of. Yeah. So like he would have to reveal that he was the one who did it to the 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 auditorium but not the principal it, well no, they it, all must have known they were counting on the fact that the principal died well in the oh, universe yeah, no that's true that's why they had to take him out first it, it's also <laughs> funny because like he's almost like anticipating he's reading into the reactions more that they don't like him other than it's that guy who did this. Like, you know, yeah, I mean, because yeah. like this chick just went like, name, but he looked that cool. guy? You know, like people are into this. But then when the glasses are pulled off, when he's, uh, you know, when he's anti-Clark Kented uh, and, you know, uh, everybody just, the only reaction is, <gasps> it's the goof. Like, that's it. And he's just like, everybody hates me. <laughs> yeah, it 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 is it is a plan that is about as well executed and thought out as you would expect for someone of that age group uh, uh, although surprisingly sophisticated technologically <laughs> that's yeah, all yeah, poly yeah. shore man he didn't do any of that <laughs> like and, that's all poly shore is he freestyling once once he breaks through the the uh screen right and now he has to uh, uh play it fast and loose does he that's like freestyle all these dance moves when you re- when you truly inhabit power line you just get the charisma yeah, right. Yeah, and yeah. he's moonwalking, you know. He's getting very sexual with that like if I could stop and take a look at you instead of just and like his jaw like just <laughs> becomes limp and he's like walking by. It's just like what? <laughs> he uh he gave me some real Ruby Rod vibes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just like the flamboyant masculinity is is on prime here. Also, um, I would like to point out how much this movie is part of my mythology. I have not watched this movie in a couple months, <laughs> and I can like pinpoint every single detail. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's that's amazing and weird. Um, yeah. We we shoot mm-hmm. over to Goofy at the phone booth, photo booth, or or whatever. He he. I guess works. There's a in perfect a job for Goofy. Parents come in and bring their kids to like get photos taken of them, uh, and because yeah. he's really good with kids, um, he can set them at ease. He can give them a stuffed animal, make them laugh. Really good with um, this small is a job children. that is specifically tailored to his strengths. Yeah, right. Uh, and his manager uh, is uh, the typical stereotype of uh, middle management. Like Pete is in this is vein he the of manager? like. Yeah, he's a, he's like middle management in this. It he's got a name clear tag. If he was like a boss or supervisor. He's or definitely like Goofy's boss. Yeah. Because I mean, in in, in the '90s, there was a real like uh, a semi-Marxist, like hell-bent hate of authority. Like authority figures are either um, uh, uh, neutered by compassion or to be defeated yeah. in some way, shape, or form. Like but that's every authority that. figure. And this was kind of that was the zeitgeist then, and it only extended as far as the next level up. Your manager sucks. Above that, we don't really care. Right. Nowadays, it's know. much more systemic. <laughs> yeah, yeah we, we don't even know. Well, I mean, and they do have, like, personal beef, so it actually carries a little bit more weight than simply... Um, simply... Pete has personal beef with Goofy. Goofy does not know or care <laughs> that anybody hates him. 
Yeah, yeah I mean, he's there to... The, the one-sided nature of their relationship is pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 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 well, something wrong when a dad won't spend time with his boy. Oh, interesting <laughs> counterpoint, Pete. This is the first that I'm hearing of this. <laughs> um, yeah, he, he puts the idea into Goofy's head that, like, you're a bad dad... And then once we once he finds out that Max gets put in detention, he's like, your son is going to prison. He's going to be electrocuted. Yeah. And this is also uh, when the nuns first show up. Right. The little the girls nuns. running through butt naked. And then we get our first shot of the nuns that seemingly follow Goofy everywhere. <laughs> we talked about this in the Beavis and Butthead episode. Nuns were just the height of comedy in the 90s. That's all there is to it. Oh, they kept I going on. Notice the nuns. Uh, I'm gonna say it extended. I'm gonna say that that ended. Uh, I mean, obviously, Sister Act, but that ended with Carrie Fisher as the nun in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. <laughs> that was like the last time that we were like, "Great, put a nun this in it." This is it. it. <laughs> they're 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 like, "Hey, come here, come here. You're a nun, right? Yes. Can can this stop? Can we be freed <laughs> there is a, from there this is an amount of like curse. cheap. There is an amount of cheap humor at like Valley Hicks in this movie. Um, that kind of also encapsulates some of those like yeah. mid '90s tropes of like what is fair game for comedy yeah. that I am happy that we sort of aged out of. Yeah, yeah. it's 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 the they the got far enough park. where they realized that certain stereotypes were not were, were off limits, but they're like we still have to rely on stereotype humor because we're not good enough writers not to. Well, the the concept the the. <laughs> The bar set of punching up instead of punching down really wasn't set mm -hmm. until like a little bit later. Like, I mean, you know, we weren't, you know, making fun of uh, 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 Asian people anymore. Like Mickey Rooney's not playing an Asian guy in this, you know. Right. Uh, so that that bar of punching up, like, it was not at the standards it's at today. You know, you could yeah. still punch down on, <laughs> hey, check out the hill people. Yeah, it, it's honestly just a little distracting and not really necessary because what we get in this scene is, I think, the kind of comedy that I want from this, which is classic Goofy. Like, we have had so far everything through Max's perspective. This is a teen musical coming of age kind of, you know, popularity arc sort of story coming into his own, exploring his uh, his potential. Um but we know that the other half of this movie is going to be Goofy doing Goofy antics. <laughs> so this sets the stage where he is he's he's playing around with this kid who doesn't want to be cheered up. He accidentally like gets a, a, a squeaky rubber duck lodged in his larynx. And then when he tries to laugh, it squeaks. And only Goofy could do this. Like I'm reminded of the scene in Who Framed Roger Rabbit where <laughs> Roger Rabbit is like watching him as though he's He's observing Mozart. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's look like at the a, timing. Look at the. It's beautiful. He's yeah. truly a master of the craft. Like you know, watching Charlie Chaplin or something. Yeah. Yes. And yes. And every time we get that classic Goofy, I think it's it's appealing to the Disney base. Um, in, in kind of one of those like referencing the stuff that worked. And this also reinforces the other aspect of Goofy, which is his uh, crippling loneliness. Because <laughs> when somebody gives him the idea that, like, uh, disrupting assembly leads to becoming a gang member and leading riots, 
and, and Goofy doesn't have anyone in his life to tell him, no, that that's that's ridiculous. <laughs> You're so dumb, Goofy. You're so credulous. Yeah, right. This is not, uh, yeah, this is not, you know, New York in the 80s where, you know, it's like we have to, like, murder the bums on the street to protect <laughs> our, you know, so if you spit, you get jail time. Okay, you, you agree, though, that we had to do that, though, <laughs> uh, <laughs> is what I'm hearing. Someone had to do it. Right. Uh, so but, so uh, Max is queuing up for, detec- t- for detention at this moment. He's uh, and so Roxanne stoked. bumps into him, and we have another we're awkward teens kind of moment where. Mm. Oh, man. There's a moment here that just like I laughed like crazy. It, it's the standard, you know, we're awkward teens. I'm going to help you pick up your books. And the hand touches, and you're. By, and it's hilarious by the fact that when they touch hands and oh my god Max is wearing the fucking goofy gloves why is he doing that <laughs> and like I'm not used to this early in any sort of media the like awkward teens being so, so clearly horny for each other like it's so <laughs> mutual and it's so flagrant and like the room heats up 10 degrees it's yeah. kind of refreshing like i didn't want the you know pussy footing around kind of kind of stuff that we tend to get in awkward teen movies but that's because that's not the central conflict right yeah like they so, want to. I'm, I'm happy yeah, yeah, for it it's to almost be decided. Like a, it's almost uh, borderline uh, star-crossed lovers in a way. Like they want <laughs> to be together, but they can't until he becomes a you know better man. <laughs> I, I would say it's almost power line because that's what they bond over. They're like, hey, you want to go to the viewing party? <laughs> yeah, he, it, power line is their Mercutio. I don't think you've seen that play. This is a perfect <laughs> I don't metaphor. think you know what happens in Romeo and Juliet. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio kills Johnny Leguizamo. Is that? Did I get that right? He had it coming. So, Hush, power line. Thou speakest of nothing. <laughs> a power line I mean, by any other name would sound just as sweet. I, I agree that the ending of the movie gets to the same place as the ending of Romeo and Juliet, but all the things leading up to it are very distinct. <laughs> yeah, mutual um, suicide. In any case, <laughs> we need to move on. In, in any case, they, they, they make a date. Um, it's very cute. And I did want to point out that when Max achieves a level of like success in his social life, he does the everybody mambo thing that Goofy was doing earlier, well, once which is kind of telling. He 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 lets his guard down. You know, mm-hmm. he's he's awkward or he's excited. Like th- this is part of him. Like once his emotions, once he once he like, one instead of a lizard brain, he has a goofy brain. He has a medubla aban you know goof uh, in there. And so <laughs> like you know, once his instincts take over, he goofs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he can only do that when he's not assaulted by the constant self-recriminations that come with being in high school. Yeah, this like middle school, Freudian whatever. level repression of, you know, it, it ends up with, you know, neuroses and psychoses <laughs> legitimately, you know. But it's it's not an inherent dislike, you know, it like there's a part of him that is goof um, and it's not he doesn't he doesn't reject it for no reason. He rejects it because he's a pissy middle school student um, well, and he thinks that society will not uh accept him you know i mean in a way this is like super freudian <laughs> yeah um so he gets chewed out by the principal but he's in such a good mood he takes a victory lap around the town the little reprise of the song everybody loves him going. except it's, for those two old ladies <laughs> right well you know they're the illuminati so <laughs> but 
Goofy assumes the worst, right? He hears from the principal. It sounds really bad. His imagination gets away from him because that's all he has during the day. And he as says, the, uh, as the principal gets more and more menacing, the lighting kind of fades on Goofy's face um, mm-hmm. where he just he gets more distraught. And it's like a not so subtle noir kind of play. Mm. Um, I really appreciate like that because they're trotting old ground and just doing standard cartoon that they're not afraid to like use all the tricks in the book. And the lighting in this scene really got me. The dramatization. Yeah, they, assume, uh, they, they assume that you have a good knowledge of the uh, of the uh, conventions of the classics. The principal even does like that peek through the window shades kind of right? thing. That they like do he's in, in Chinatown or something. Yes. <laughs> Forget it, Max. Uh, it's Chinatown. Gorge. <laughs> and Goofy's big plan is, OK. I got to get the boy back to his roots because I'm good and he needs to be more good. So he needs to be more me, which is a direct conflict to Max's goals. And right. he says, well, you don't want him to get the electric chair. Yeah, I'm yeah, literally you don't want him get the electric chair. I cannot believe they went with electric chair. Big yeah, in the it 90s. Seems so like barbaric. <laughs> Are those yeah, still happening? A weird different time. It was yeah, it was big in the '90s. I mean, you know, is still in we, Texas? this is this is before uh, Timothy McVeigh was going to publicly be uh, lethally injected on television. <laughs> oh, like um, like Seth Green getting his testicle removed? Yes, exactly. Seth okay. Green, Lance Tom Armstrong? Green. It, no, not Seth Green. Tom something, Green. something. You're thinking Tom Lance Green, Armstrong? You. It's the Tom Green show. It's not the Green <laughs> Tom show. It's his favorite swap. show. That wasn't a that was, that wasn't a thing back then. It's the bum, um, bum no, is on my see, lips think, guy. I, th- I think you're right, uh, Zane, that um, that's the purpose. Oh, fuck. I totally lost my train of thought. I apologize. Is it because you screwed up Seth Green and Tom Green? Maybe. <laughs> I got to reboot. Uh, the current well, laws so, yeah, so regarding electric uh, chair are fascinating. The, the, the yeah, idea uh, that Goofy is literally going yeah. to take the place of his own father to then put his son in his shoes Mm -hmm. to be like you know i mean it's that uh i never even went to a party and look at me now you know yeah max response very yeah also like uh, we're gonna get this is probably the moment when most kids watching this movie are like yes max is the one who is being screwed over by his dad but when you see how much goofy is afraid for his son and he doesn't have another parent to kind of bounce ideas off of or anything like that. All he's got is Pete. It becomes right. much more understandable that this is his reaction. I Maybe do, not correct, I but love, understandable. I love genuinely when he hugs him and he's like, I didn't want you to be in the electric chair. And the, the most we get out of that is Max goes, electric chair, what are you? <laughs> move on from that. Just move on yep. from that. Like that's as much like dad, I'm not going to be why are you worried about an electric chair? I'm not going to be put to death for for you know for comic uh, hijinks. Uh, for a flash mob, a one man yeah. fl- technologically superior flash mob. I, I I agree that like the kids are definitely meant to feel for Max here, but I also did because Goofy communicated this really poorly. He's mm-hmm. not listening at all. Max could just say, hey, this thing is coming up in a week that's very important to me. Can we do it later? But, like, it's absolutely on Goofy to, like, give your son a little heads up about this. Yeah, let's, yeah, it, let's talk this out. <laughs> yeah, I think that gets cut for the streamlinedness yes. of this. And, and, like, it's got to be a comedy of errors because the plan makes no sense. <laughs> um, and they have to have that catharsis that's based on 
miscommunication later on. Right. Um, so you have to set it up with the miscommunication yeah. earlier. And he does um, at least get to, to say to he, he he's like, let me at least talk to Roxanne and tell her that I won't be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, turn here. Here. <laughs> so um, moving, moving. If, if I can go back through a couple of notes that I wanted to point out. He Bart Simpsons through some scenery on his way home, which was yeah, just a Ferris Bueller's. Oh, I I beg your pardon. Yeah. I, I do like how I do like how like they. I don't know. I like this dynamic skateboardness of it. Oh yeah, um, when his Running dad through ambushes backyards. him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Going through like the the one of those like cylindrical pipes that they just is every in every construction yard. <laughs> uh, um, I work construction. I can back that up. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. Those pipes are terrifying. Is it yeah. just there for morale? You know what? It's it's for uh, skate. We, we just are hoping that a skateboarder comes through at some point. <laughs> now you get everybody inside <laughs> and you push it for the one, one direction time. and you go kind of looping. Yeah, we're we're all um, hamsters in a wheel. We get the metaphor. <laughs> the uh, his when his dad does ambush him by saying he's going fishing with his best friend. Max's response is Donald Duck. Who Donald? Duck? What was the falling out with Mickey? <laughs> yeah. Well, he's the leader. See, you can't be friends with your boss. Donald and suppose, Goofy, their bond was forged in fire during Kingdom Hearts. So, like, that's a that's stronger right, that's bond. Right. When they had to bury Sora at the cliffs. Mickey was just the king. And it's like, if, you know, you're making us do something you wouldn't do yourself. You're not a leader. He right. doesn't see his subject as people. Uh, he is somewhat tyrannical, for sure. Yeah. I, you know. <laughs> yeah. For ha, ha, Disney, oh Disney, for legal reasons, we don't hate Mickey. <laughs> when um when goofy reveals the the route that they're going to be taking on the fishing trip i i took special note of this because it fascinated me the map was passed down by like a long line of goofdom i'm right. going to get back into goofy genealogy in this a couple <laughs> times in this movie but the walter belonged to and i quote walter p goofy benjamin goofy and all goofies in order. <laughs> Those are the three things that are written down on this map. At some point, Benjamin's son was like, uh, we're going to run out of room for these names. How about we just say all the goofies? Also, also this plot makes no sense because like those interstates and like, like that couldn't be more than like 50 years old, right? Also, <laughs> the goofies on the map, they're spelled with an E. Goofy. So like they came from fucking old England. The goof, <laughs> like, the goof line is yeah. this is a story like this is a this is a proud dynasty. You also don't know necessarily like what the lifespan of a goof might What's be. A, yeah. Oh like, yeah, they, the they gestation period might be short. They might they might just like have like a couple years in them. <laughs> uh, anthropomorphic dog years. I feel like you split the difference at three and a half. Yeah, there you go. Uh, but yes, it, it's great. Fin- so he's fantastic. talking to Roxanne. <laughs> Yeah, she basically dumps him on the spot, which is like, well, yep, that's as much know. character as you were given. <laughs> yeah, it, it is like in, you in play up how continuing, cool you are. continuing the idea that like if you if there was a conversation, if you just spent more than three exchanges, this would all be cleared up. Like when he's like, my dad's on this stupid father son kick. Like he ambushed me today. He's taking me camping and. We are children. We have to obey authority figures. I have no say in this. Well, I, also, I don't know, there's nothing more romantic like and sexy than telling your love interest that we are children. We have to obey authority figures. Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> listen, I, I get it, but like, it's a, it's really, a decent out. <laughs> I listen, baby. I know we're teens, and this is totally hot, and we should bone down later. 
But I have to go hang <laughs> out with my dad. While your dad stares at us camping. and goes. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to do it because I love my family and I always obey authority, <laughs> but I'm still really cool. <laughs> <laughs> what makes it really strange is the way that he tries to lie to Roxanne to what smooth things over is this? by saying that instead of going out with her, he's going to go to a concert. The easiest lie to check on because he's like, and I'm going to be on stage. You'll, yeah. You should watch because you As should watch. Why to, I, work I will all? be in the audience. I will be backstage. Uh, th- th- these are the easiest ways for me to like, oh, of course you're not going to like, oh, it was great. It was cool. I met him. He's super nice. You know, whatever. I, I didn't re I didn't remember the movie super hard at this point. So like, I, I vaguely thought like, I guess this was just a figment of my imagination. I thought that it would eventually be revealed that like Goofy and Powerline actually did know each other from like <laughs> Vietnam or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> If he's like Walter, and Powerline like <laughs> yes, pulls out the glasses, exactly he's like I... Goofy. <laughs> that is what my brain filled in. <laughs> I, I assumed that as well. And you know what? I don't mind that this plot like lie is shoehorned in because if they had added another like five minutes to justify it better, I don't think it would have been additive. No, I don't think so either. The movie just, is seventy-eight minutes. Here's the thing: it we... sucks that Roxanne is given such a short shrift. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, uh, and that her dad is like, how do I put this politely? Like, has he been hit with a brick? Like, what, what's up with that? Is she taking care of him? Like, that needs <laughs> yeah, to be explored he, more. Is, like, talk about short like a Mary trip. Jane situation. <laughs> yeah, like, what's I was, like, going I, I, on? I, I wrote that down. I, I thought it was total MJ vibes. It the was girl next door with the shitty home life. Right? I mean, it like, her mom has left. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, no yeah, moms. absolutely. They are cold. I mean, that is unfortunate. <laughs> Uh, he got laid off or like he got he got a work injury or something so he mm-hmm. can't work and he's just living off like a small disability but like he's just drinking all day and like on we, the we, couch. We both know that that's fraud at this point. <laughs> uh, but the road trip begins. Uh, uh, for some odd reason, I don't know why this happened, but when I was a kid, I would rewind specific lines and listen to them over and over again. And one of the ones is, uh, come on, son, we got to put some road behind us. <laughs> It's yeah, that, and from the... Space Jam, uh, don't bring me here anymore, all right? <laughs> <laughs> That's I don't know. Some kids just get like enamored with particular lines from movies, and it doesn't necessarily need to be the funniest lines. They just nope. some things. I remember my friends and I one time were watching the original Tremors, okay. um, and one of the characters, when someone suggests going in the bulldozer to avoid the 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 graboids, uh, the the guy there, the store owner, says something like. But we can't all fit in the bulldozer. And just like my friends and I thought that was so iconic that we just kept rewinding it and listening to it over and over. What? What? The, okay. Speaking you of gotta Disney, explain what we just, just saw. You just got a, a a shout out from Snow White. Oh, oh my goodness! Hello. She's got the mannerisms. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Do the Disney wave. Tell her to do the Disney wave. The... We got. Yeah, we have a. She has a princess party at a uh, ice cream parlor. A socially distanced adorable. princess party. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all. No, no, no word in that sentence was out of place. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, Goofy uses a black and white camera while he's driving to catalog the trip, which I think is a nice kind of super eight. A little, <laughs> it, it's a little, it's a little like throwback to the early animation Steamboat Willie kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and they play twenty questions to break the fourth wall, um, wherein <laughs> they, they they shout out Walt Disney. Right. You know. Yeah. You gotta. 
Uh, he's got the, the Disney uh, D on his keychain. <laughs> that's that's very good. It's branding. Uh, um, and then we, I want to I want to like this fake Van Halen track that plays is phenomenal. Yeah, it's <laughs> he's not so even trying cr- to like crunchy. air guitar properly. <laughs> yeah, right. It's out. Captain Crunchy guitar. Oh, it's right here. so good. And then that mixed with like with, like uh, the Eisenhower song. <laughs> like yeah, why the, is um, Eisenhower's campaign song playing? <laughs> wait, what was the what was the song that? He's got what was it again? high hopes. Oh, high He's hopes, got yeah. High hopes. It's like they, okay, well, they couldn't be more different. Like just, 80s just framing the generational gap the 50s. There. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and that um, then we get into Goofy's uh, song on the open road where he talks about, oh, think about how great everything is. The world is telling you this is the way to be, and it's all against you, Max. So he, no pressure. Do you need a break from modern living? Do you long to shed your weary load? If your nerves are raw and your brain is dry, just grab a friend and take a ride together on the open road. Come on, Maxie! You're all in all. Roxanne, please don't forget me. I will return someday. Though I may be in traction when I do. Cue hitting scaffolding and possibly murdering somebody on that scaffolding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you have to kind of divorce your part of the brain that like is like, oh, Gu- Goofy is not a fit parent. Um, right. You just have to accept that that is the case and move on. Yeah. Uh, all, and and now, minus the nuns who we've already seen, uh, we begin the fact that this universe is populated by 20 people. Like, we are going to see all these people once again, like in a diner somewhere. And they're all uh, like, except for Mickey and Donald, oh, sure, who yeah. uh, show up in a cameo here. California or bust? What are they doing? Going to Hollywood. The the fact that it's all the same people is made weirder by the fact that like every person in this universe is somewhere on the spectrum between human, dog, and bull. But like the ratios, man. <laughs> this is a uh, yeah. This is the it's. It's before they decided to get really, uh, really experimental with it with like BoJack Horseman. It's just like, ah, make everyone a half dog. I don't know. Yeah, yeah it's like it, Arthur. It's character like, designers yeah, it's having like a ball. <laughs> uh, I like the song, though. Like, it's not my favorite song, but it's I fine. applaud the decision to set up the movie. Like, alternative philosophies of the first two songs is one of them is like, look to the future. And this one is like, respect the past. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah. it, it's a good framing device, if nothing else. Yeah. Uh, and you know it's catchy. I I think it's legit catchy. <laughs> I watched. A I think re- it's okay. I watched a review of this movie recently uh, that uh, that we found, and the thing that was really neat about this was the description of this as this song, this movie's villain song. Because <laughs> Goofy, Goofy is the primary antagonist. This is the to poor, unfortunate gold. souls of a Goofy movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This is be prepared. Yes, I, I think Sideways is the. Um, is the name of the YouTube creator, but it, it makes a very good argument, and uh, it's just such a really weird thing. <laughs> yeah. Mm. But that's the role. Uh, 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 conservatism is the enemy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. In the 90s, that is very true. D, right? Uh, uh, Bill Clinton how, had how, just passed sweeping tax hikes two years earlier. <laughs> God, we had it so good in the 90s. <laughs> it was so simple. Um... But yeah, it's time to go to Lester's. Guys, do you want to go to Lester's? Awesome. Oh, awesome you used jamboree. to love it when you were kids. 
I like that uh, Disney's yeah. just taking like a subtle jab at Chuck E. Cheese for uh-huh. yes. no reason. <laughs> it's one of those like creepy animatronic theater things, but creepier. Right. And, like, Which more also poorly maintained for Disney comedy. created, right? I mean, you got country right. bears. Yeah. <laughs> Which is yeah, it's, awesome. A, it's an elbow in the ribs. Blood a... on the saddle. Why? <laughs> I liked the uh, the hats that they wear. Like, yeah, you can go somewhere and the get dead, a, like an animal hat, but hat? the fact that it's a possum and therefore upside down just mm, just really and good. And <laughs> also, they're taking pictures with possums. It's like, hey, here's your dead mother on my head. <laughs> yeah. Well, we don't. You know. <laughs> yeah, and that could be people. In. Again, this is this is a world where anthropomorphic dogs like. Possums apparently are persona non grata in anthropomorphization universe. Well, it's the difference between Goofy and Pluto, right? Like, Pluto's still a dog, but Goofy has, like, uh, somehow... (laughs) God. Yeah, it's like Cowboys of Moo Mesa. The fact that there are cow cowboys and they round up regular cows. (laughs) It's... I, I, don't, we don't have time for that. I don't really appreciate this song. Like, I feel like we got the understanding of Max's problem with his dad by this point. And Lester's to spend multiple part? minutes of this fairly short film on possum hijinks just didn't seem necessary. Now gather around, my possum pals. Join the jamboree. Come hoot and howl and holler from the heart. This is pathetic. I think part of it is the the kind of slapstick quotient that we need to get in with uh with with a goofy property. Oh sure. Well, also um, I agree it's kind of extraneous. It, 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 there is like so there is a question to be asked. Uh, so the possum goes down his pants, right? Like, and he starts gyrating wildly. Now, is Goofy? Like, in that moment, is he ignoring the facts to have a convenient truth so that he can feel like this, like, his plan is working? Or, like, is he genuinely, like, Max has been miserable this whole time, but now he wants to dance, you know? Like, is, yeah. like, is he ignoring I th- I think the truth? Yes, Goofy, <laughs> master of the minuscule detail, has noted that, like, everything that has gone on with the possum down his pants and is just... Con- no, of course he doesn't notice. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, he's willfully accepting this, uh, this alternative, uh, like... Uh, like a like the viewpoint from his from his son because he desperately wants it to be true. Goofy right. is a master of the dumb guy slapstick comedy, and the hardest lie to tell is the one you tell yourself. So yeah, absolutely, he he can manage that. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but this, uh, is, uh, just... this is kind of the breaking point for Max. He's royal royally pissed off. Um, I think it's really awesome that in the first scene we see through Max's perspective that like he's gets embarrassed by. Um, being around his peers, being around his classmates, people he's going to see over and over. In this scene, he's being embarrassed just by being in public with his dad, mm-hmm. with people Trainers. whose opinion he should give no shits about. Yeah, yeah, but so I, I mean, it, being it, a teenager, it's starting to frame things more from folk. Goofy's perspective of like, Max, you shouldn't care. You should just try to enjoy yourself. You shouldn't care about like the way you are perceived. Well, I thought it was very true because that is a very teen thing, right? And he has to get over that. Um, also, another mm-hmm. line that I rewound again and again and again. Beat it, doofus. <laughs> oh yeah, with it when he smacks the 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 guy in the the guy the in the like, you know 
Yeah, the, the guy in the Disneyland costume. Also, yes. take a hint, dude. Like, you, like, don't hug this kid. Yeah, it's. I, I wonder if that's. It's. It's almost like a parallel to uh, what Goofy was doing for those kids while he was trying to take their picture earlier. Oh, with the where he's upside down. Uh, like trying, oh, well, yeah, trying yeah. to cheer him up. Like, yeah, this, this kid doesn't how... want to be happy. I'm going to make him happy. This mm. is just how they're trained: is to yeah. hug unwilling children. <laughs> <laughs> that was appropriate parenting back then. That horrifying, <laughs> truly horrifying little girl with one tooth. It's like, oh God, why are you just making noise, child? <laughs> Someone has failed her. Oh uh, my God. Um, but then it leads to a genuinely heartbreaking moment when, you know, Goofy has to, like, accept that his son is miserable, like, his plan is not working, and now how do I salvage the pieces and, he, like, sadly driving away? It's just kind of like, oh, no! It's 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 so strange, like, because the idea isn't that he's doing it out of malice. He genuinely doesn't understand why Max is upset, which mm-hmm. is a little hard to believe, but taken as a general idea... Like the the idea that the generational gap just makes it very hard to relate to this other person as a general concept, I think makes sense. Well, and, and also where... like this means something to me. This means something mm-hmm. to me and my dad. Like this road trip. Like I'm trying to give that to you, and like by rejecting that, you're also rejecting me, and that is an inconvenient truth. So like it can't be that you don't like this. It just mean it just means that we haven't figured out how you're going to like it yet Mm -hmm. like that's what he's trying to do you know and this is where the isolation of goofy you know if if he had taken this opportunity to like pause and reflect maybe he could have come to a solution you know he's sitting out there in in his camping tent alone Hmm. but because pete shows up in his cool rv Oh my um, god. You know, he's going to get reinforced by the only other person like that he really knows. Also, this RV is insane yeah. by the way. I mean, it has it, a bowling alley. Glamping to the ultimate degree. Um, can we talk about the fact that uh Pete cracks a beer? <laughs> oh, no, I didn't notice a, that. He's a, definitely he's definitely cracking beers and I like there is part of me that kind of wishes that like he offered one to Goofy and Goofy's like no thanks. <laughs> I'm all right. No, not, not since exactly my wife. That would be exactly how he did it. Oh. With no judgment. Yeah, right? Like, I just thought that would have been a funny moment. But I'll yeah, now Pete shows up to be, you know, the, the shoulder devil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, Max's full name is Maximilian. Yeah, that's I, fine. I kind of like Pete's baseless bravado with Goofy. Just because, like, because it, it doesn't hurt Goofy, and it's just like a reflection on Pete's own lack of self worth <laughs> yeah, Pete's, con- Pete's character has consistently been in this and in other media you're actually also a failure you just try and pile on to the guy who's who you see as doing even worse right yes I- I'm going to I'm going to uh, belittle you in my view so that I look better to myself <laughs> and to my mm. son whose opinion I uh, crave but cannot be seen to crave right yeah Absolutely. What was the what was the old timey show with uh, the, the 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 husband and wife and they were playing piano and those were the days. Those oh, were um, the... uh, You got me on this reference. <laughs> Ar- Arbuckle and Wayne. I don't, like let's... it's something with Arbuckle, right? Or Ar- all the days, Arnie. Those were Bondi the and Dagwood. Days. I don't. <laughs> Thanks, Internet. Gosh, I. I... 
cannot believe that I can't think of this. Like, I know it's not Honeymooners. To the moon, Alice. <laughs> Is it RG? It's not RG Bunker. That's uh, the that's comic book. That's Meathead. Jughead. J- no, that's Archie's. Archie Bunker was the guy in the chair who was uh, real uh, persnickety. I think that <laughs> anyway, might be the thing. He, he sort of reminds me of that like out-of-touch dad who... He's miserable, so his only chance to like seem the reasonable adult person is to just put everyone around him down. All in the yeah. family. All in the family. Thank you, Norman Mailer. Uh, Archie Bunker. You were Mailer right. Demon. So yeah, so um, Goofy, you know, sees that he is a failure because his son would rather hang out with his friend. How dare he? And <laughs> Pete, well, and not uh, appreciating. Uh, a single tent pitched in a field uh, or uh, fishing, presumably. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Max finds out that, like, oh, no, Roxanne told everybody his lie that he would be at the concert. Because, of course, she would. Also, yeah, why wouldn't Pete, she? my best friend of years, that is correct. I was keeping from you the fact that I know the most famous rock star on the planet as teenagers do. <laughs> Furthermore. Uh, PJ. PJ's yeah. his friend. PJ, right. PJ, by the way, is doing housework. Yeah. Which... In, in a camper. Well, I. here's a fun detail. I'm assuming PJ Again, is Pete where Jr., are the right? Yeah. Pete Jr. Pete. I, I don't know. I just call him PJ. Yeah. But uh, it probably says something that Goofy cleans up after Max, like a parent would. Right. And PJ cleans up after Pete. Uh, uh, he, he's it's chores versus uh, nurturing yeah and yeah something like that and again he coddles him a bit but like it, it does draw the line with this small detail yeah and Pete Sr. says you know listen you're trying to make your son like you that's not gonna work you need to have your children fear you right that's yeah, the way go- to respect <laughs> Goofy says this great line. It seems like everything I try just drives Max further away. Maybe I just got to back off. I don't know. And I love that line because it's like at that age, it's so easy to assume that your parents know everything. But again, Goofy's Mm -hmm. greatest strength is his vulnerability and his willingness to showcase that. Yeah. And it's why I love the character. Like, Pete has baseless confidence. You never see him vulnerable. But that means he doesn't grow at all. You know, Goofy recognizes that something's not working here. And is willing to put in the work to try to change it. And he, he takes a roundabout way to figuring out how to actually treat his son. But it all starts with that ability to look at yourself. Well, he's emotionally intelligent. I mean, you know, it's, yes. he's 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 breaking from and we probably also as a nation, we're, we're probably breaking <laughs> from the, you know, sort of repression of, uh, you know, the behind the shed with the belt form of discipline and, you know, mm. treating your child as a human and, and you know, uh, uh, understanding that they have psychological needs and they don't just need to be hit to figure things out, you know, and Goofy kind right. of represents that. Well, PJ, like the they Pete and PJ have a like alpha male dominance kind of relationship. Yeah. Um, he, he fits in the pack Under structure outline for him. goof, you know. But but Max hasn't been given any firm structure. So, you know, it, it's it's just a matter of, like, Goofy coddles him, Max resents it, and that's kind of as far as they can get until this, you know, boiling point throughout this movie kind of bubbles up. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know, maybe the whole Max starting down a bad path thing that Goofy fears isn't all that untrue, because he does act out. It's not without reason, but he does act out. Like, <laughs> he did get, the, he, he earned that detention on its own. Like, that is true. <laughs> he did try to murder the principal. <laughs> <laughs> He's a wily one. <laughs> can't, get, can't get past Vicini. Nope. No, you never bet against the Sicilian when death is on the line. One of the classic blunders. I mean, the most famous, of course, is don't get locked in a land war in Asia, but only slightly less well known. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, they go fishing. Yeah. Uh, Well, attempt to. And now we get, you know, the perfect cast. This is like a Chekhov's gun. You know, it's going to come back. Yes. Uh, they, they spend far too much time on it, and uh, it's obviously yes. going to be a linchpin. A hundred percent. And uh, it, you know, you just know he's going to use it to save the day at some point. It, it's really similar, by the way, to the whole bubble blowing technique from SpongeBob, where it, you just got to do a bunch of ridiculous shit because that's how Goofy's lineage works. Like this was a technique passed down through the Goofy line back in the days where slapstick just meant shimmying and shaking all over the screen without <laughs> actual content. Like, causality breaks down. Right. Uh, Quarter to three, the, the, pod two. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, is, that, is, that is the formula of the joke. Yeah, it's great. Good stuff. Uh, it's just as long as it needs to go. There is a moment in this where... Uh, Goofy says that there are like 12 or 13 generations of Goofy. Right. Again, I want to read that genealogy. <laughs> Someone could make my day. I would, I would read a whole like book on like, you know, Horace Goofy and like uh, Thaddeus Goofy. Opening and, up uh, that like grand tome with like the goof seal on the front of it. You know? Jedediah Goofus. As you know, as uh, 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 Jacobin Goofy, uh, you know, uh, was living in Brittany. <laughs> with a stovepipe, a stovepipe hat and a powdered wig. <laughs> And because it's Goofy, of course, when he casts the line, he catches a fucking Sasquatch. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, like. Frank Walker is the this Sasquatch. This is the section of the movie where yep. I just have it titled Bigfoot Occurs and just also, and again, happens for a while. Also, can we talk and about again, the fact that Goofy... Frank Walker was getting called into Disney. Uh, pro- who knows if it was even the same week or the same day and like he's going into one recording studio to do lion noises and then he's gotta yep. go next door to go do Sasquatch sounds yep yep uh, it's good times uh, it's again one of those things where like it's an animal making noises it's got a 90% chance that it's Frank Welker yeah we are about to get to what might be the most bizarre thing of this entire movie and it is so weird and so <laughs> jarring and I don't know why it occurs the only reason it occurs is because Goofy's in the shot no I'm fine but with the Sasquatch it... Sasquatch oh, okay. great but there is a moment coming up that is I don't know why it happens. I don't get. I don't get why it was Are in there. Are you referring to the disco dance? Y- you know what kids? You know what kids loved in '94? Saturday Night Fever. Like what? <laughs> you say that, but I actually really did love that song. <laughs> so, so to break it down, uh, what happens is because again, this is a goofy centric scene. The Bigfoot doesn't merely chase them. It antagonizes them by doing Charlie Chaplin style sock puppetry. Yeah, because yeah. he knows that. They can't leave. So shoves his a- face in the underwear to look out the pee hole of the underwear. Yeah, like he throws this- the keys away. This is right. an intel- intelligent creature. And again, 
because Goofy is still here, is still in the shot, the Bigfoot has the headphones land on him and he dances to staying alive. Now let's 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 just unpack this for half a second. Let's <laughs> think about this. So what this means? So like we live in a fictional universe where there is f- diegetic pop music that the biggest rock star on the planet is this surrogate for Michael Jackson. You know he moonwalks. We, like we've created an entity <laughs> in this same universe. <laughs> Also exists the Bee Gees. Yep. And a movie where John Travolta does a very famous dance that everyone will, you know, at some point do on a wedding dance floor. And John Travolta, this, in the context of this universe, of course, being some sort of like giant squid. Yeah, I'm assuming, you know, he's probably a. a some kind of steer. And it's not the Bee Gees, it's the, uh, it's the Beagle Boys. And we're boys. back onto John Travolta also. <laughs> Um, uh, but the, like Barry yeah, but, Gibb exists in a goofy movie. That why not? is crazy. <laughs> Nuns are there. Why not? It's not so much more ridiculous. Oh my gosh. It's so weird. But like I this whole sequence, but, the idea of Goofy trapped in a car beset by Sasquatch, like <laughs> that could be a classic, classic. 50s Goofy episode. Like yeah, that's a right. normal... <laughs> Yeah. Oh, but you no. see it all through Max's perspective, now? which is like, I don't, I don't have the tools for this, man. It's like you know, <laughs> the man in the wilderness, beset upon. He 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 rules all over natural creation as he surveys the land. Oh no, what's this? A bear? You know, I mean, you can definitely <laughs> see that short. Uh, and then you get high dad soup, which you know, it, adorable, it's cute. Oh, I I I mean, like this got me honestly, mm-hmm. like. The, the scene of them sadly warming up a can of soup with, like, the cigarette lighter oh. and the desolate sunken faces. Like, no one's having a good time. It's fading evening light and punctuated with a fucking Bigfoot discoing to staying alive in the background. <laughs> yeah, that, like, that second time was excessive. <laughs> yeah. No, the, that, that was, like, the perfect, like, the shot was so sad and so somber and then just Bigfoot in the background and you can barely hear staying alive. That is very good. Uh, also- and the high dad soup is so fucking cute. Yeah, explain what this is briefly. Yeah, so... Um, oh, alphabet so, soup. So they kind of, you know, they... they yeah, they, they kind of talk a little bit about like, oh, it looks like we got that one can left, alphabet soup, and Goofy heats it up and then uses his uh, monstrous teeth to like poke a hole in it and it's like and max says "Eh, how'd you learn that you know kind of taking an interest in him and it's like that's what my dad did for me um remember uh, you used to eat this soup and you'd spell out little words yeah and then and the moment where he like gets carried away with the memory and like they're joshing around and like you know it starts to build like that build of like I pledge allegiance to the and we're all oh, we're having it and then Goofy just like kind of he he just says or I love you and then all of a sudden it's like oh no <laughs> like and everybody just kind of like freezes and it's like we don't it's talk so about emotions <laughs> yeah it's very good yeah nice it, little bit of business feels, it feels like a very real thing it's like one of the writers on this very well could have in his youth done a high dad thing and like that was a cute story his parents told in front of friends yeah yeah, it feels real. But wait, yeah, that that is this is one of the cuter moments in the whole thing, and I really appreciated it. One thing that I think it would have made it better is when he hands the soup can back, um, which, by the way, Goofy didn't eat any of the soup. That all goes to Max. He's a growing boy. <laughs> Good dadding. <Yeah. laughs> um, 
But he hands the soup can back, and we see that it says "Hi, Dad" in the bottom of the soup can because, again, this is very cu- a cute moment. I almost think it would have been better if we only saw Goofy looking down into the soup can and smiling. Oh yeah, and then it's kind of left up to our imagination. This remember, like, we know. like granted, we are all adults watching this movie, but this is a kids' movie. There does need to be a little bit of handholding. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I think that's it's true. fine to see it. But I I agree that like you know in a more sophisticated film that would have been the move for sure. This next bit is uh is a little bit of good like cinematography like some classic almost Aladdin forbidden artifact kind of cinematography because what happens is um Max uh starts trying to write a letter to Roxanne being like uh my my stupid dad made me do this and then goes to I'm sorry I lied to you about this and he's like. I've, I've put myself in an impossible situation. This sucks. And he opens up the glove compartment, which has this ominous red glow coming out of it. Yeah, like he like, just opened up a forbidden treasure. Or the briefcase from uh, uh, Pulp Fiction. <laughs> yes. This, is, this has so much ominous energy. Um, and it's got like that kind of like the stinger noise. It Like the dark temptation angle is really palatable, uh, palpable here. Like... Well, the map has been heralded up to this point as like we follow the map. The map is our Bible. Like this is a holy relic, and he's given the chance to fuck with it. Well, like in a in a Campbellian uh, uh, look, this would be kind of like the meeting with the goddess, right? Like mm-hmm. we've yes. we've descended into the underworld, like we've died, and we're we're trying to find our method of rebirth we're going through our trials we've now he now has the option of you know what is my moral life going to be and he chooses unwisely you know and now he's gonna yes. have to deal yeah, with the, the ramifications dark bargain. Of that. and it's a shame because we just saw they were on the route to reconnecting mm-hmm. well yes and no i mean that's that's kind of the point is that it wasn't a real reconnection because the moment actual emotions become involved and he says, you know, or I love you shut down. Mm -hmm. Like we haven't, like it shows us that like, you know, we're knocking on that door, but nobody's answering quite yet. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We're building towards something, but we, we, we haven't sealed the deal yet. Right. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I do like the idea that goofy would just follow a line to Los Angeles and not question it though. Yeah. Before the whole, like before the whole, like, you know, uh, senior navigator of this year road trip, like Max is assuming that he's just, he's not like, he only lives in the moment. He only see like, he's got horse blinders on and he's only looking at two <laughs> inches of this map at a time. I'm yeah. like, wait a minute. Why are we in Los Angeles? <laughs> Gorge. Must have taken a wrong turn at Albuquerque. <laughs> yeah, so, so Max sabotages the map, draws the route to L.A. because that's where he wants to go to hopefully get on stage at the Powerline concert. Whatever the plan is right now is unclear. And, and, right. and you're like, yeah, this, this could go belly up. But Goofy decides, you know what? We made a little progress last night. We're here in this diner. I'm going to publicly proclaim to the diner that I am making Max the grand navigator of this road trip. It's I want to do this as a dad. Like I love this everybody move. in the diner understands the somber significance of this moment. Like, you, I don't know, you know, you know who's especially proud. stoked? The nuns. <laughs> yeah, the nuns are there. <laughs> the official navigator and head witchwear this here road trip. Head like a, witchwear. Yeah. It's a, that it's was a, very good. I wrote it down specifically. Business, right? Goofy. I love Goofy so much. Well, yeah, and the like, idea let's just that... take a second to recognize how wholesome Goofy is. 
Well, and that like th- this opening up of like, all right, what like I've been trying to put you in my world. Like, what happens mm-hmm. if both of our worlds? try to coexist like what happens if i open up to you you know let's go to it's the, exactly like the song when worlds collide yes it's exactly like power man 5000s when worlds collide uh from salem massachusetts yes uh <laughs> i don't know I, I can't remember where they're westchester they're from someplace weird in massachusetts they're like the most suburban right motherfuckers on the planet and they let's, created let's some more places Rob in zombie and power man 5000 anyway but like you know like if I go to the monster truck rally, if I jet ski with you, like what, like, am I going to enjoy myself? Are you going to enjoy yourself? Like, like this is a risk. This is opening up. This is that, mm-hmm. you know, goofy vulnerability. And it's, it's, you know. And it's exactly what Max needed. He needed, you know, we, I've seen this arc in so many different properties. I think Malcolm in the middle had something about like, how do we get Reese to take it seriously? You have to treat him. You have to give him responsibility and mm-hmm. then he will rise to the occasion. And that's what Goofy chances upon. He's like, I tried it my way. I tried it Pete's way. Nothing's working. Let's give him the reins mm-hmm. yeah. and see what he does with it. And it's the exact right thing to do. Yeah. And it's really good because Max, you know, yes, he takes Goofy to these things that he wants to do. He's surfing, roller coaster, monster truck. But he but then also, he learns compromise. They go yeah, to the giant he, ball of yarn. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's, a, he's like, here's the giant. Here's the house of yarn. Here's some mime violence. Like... <laughs> These are my violence to you, Thank you. In New Orleans, right? Like they're like, right. we, like they are just loop looping around the country. Talking about by this 90s point. references, like mime violence was. Th- this was a heyday. Oh yeah, uh, uh, but yeah, Mel Brooks' silent movie. <laughs> I do love the direct line of "Give Max more responsibility," and then he sees Goofy being pained at the monster truck rally, and rather than being pulled away from it. By a parent who doesn't want to be there, he goes to Goofy and says, "I'll, I'll, you know." He he drags him away from that to something that Goofy wants to do, and that's, I don't know, man. My heart melted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and then they're palling around in the hotel, you know. Uh, uh, fancy choice navigator, coral. <laughs> <laughs> coral. The the, uh, the mime routine is another one of those Goofy Ben's reality gags because. Mm-hmm. The scene wouldn't happen if Goofy wasn't in it. Like, yeah, where did that piano come from? Not only wouldn't it happen, it couldn't have happened. <laughs> also, the fact that like they do like possibly uh, horrifically maim and or murder somebody, and it's like <laughs> not call nine one one. Somebody, you you. What happened here? Well, we were miming, and then a piano moving company somewhere above us fucked up. Like, they didn't <laughs> yeah, I mean, do anything. Legally, he's a bystander. Yeah, but now they're negligent. <laughs> I like the uh, the tire changing sequence they do, because that's oh, just... Yeah. That's good. That's just good Disney animation comedy right there. little boomeranging of the uh, the tire iron. So, um, oh, Michael Winslow is back. <laughs> here, here to ruin things is um, Pete again. Shoulder double uh, Pete at yep. at the hotel. Cancer to the world. Mm-hmm. And he's like Goofy. Is that why he hangs out with Goofy? Because Goofy is the only person who he has alienated everybody. His wife is left. He's a figment him. of Goofy's imagination. He's trying yes. to like he's Snuffleupagus. <laughs> They, they kind yes. of have like a like a. This is he what the Great Kazoo. This is what the Homer Simpson Ned Flanders relationship looks like from Ned's perspective. Like, 
this, this chaotic <laughs> force comes into my life and abuses my trust. <laughs> like, hey, neighbor, can I borrow some electricity from the wall socket? It won't take more than a few hours. <laughs> Check out my hot tub. Uh, they always put too much water in these things. Uh, I, I do love that line. That's a, that's a very funny line. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and you know the, the check the, and, like, the map, classic abusive goof, father. You know. He can't merely be happy for Goofy. He just has to insist that Goofy is still wrong. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and the thing is, in this instance, Pete isn't wrong. Like no. And and stop clock. You know, it's kind of yeah. I know, right? A broken watch is right twice a day. Uh, and the thing is. He inadvert like he inadvertently ends up kind of being the agent of change needed to make this relationship authentic. Like w- what he tries to burn down, he ends up rebuilding. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's clearing the brush out of the way uh, inadvertently. He is sh- shite and fruiting him pretty hard. Yes, like it's a it's like a, a tense bad person, like almost Godfather esque scene. Like he's sitting there in the tub, no, like the hot listen, tub. Goofy, you got to get control over your kid. Uh, you wouldn't want something bad to happen to him. You should like check once out again. That map. You want a beer? No, I'm good. <laughs> like, I want that to happen. I really want that scene Open now. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he sees the map and uh, this look of betrayal. Like, is that yeah. how does that transition happen he's... too? There's that really good transition where he's like looking dead in the eyes and then all of a sudden like the bed is behind him. Like it's like an <laughs> oh, REM man. music video or some shit. <laughs> Every time we've seen Goofy in this movie so far, he's been like bopping up and down like some sort of bobblehead. He's had noodle physics and then squeeze and stretch laws applied to him. And the scene where he realizes that he's been and just the light goes out of his eyes, he walks in the room, Max... By the way, Max also saying something like, sorry about the mess, Dad, I'll clean it up. That's character growth. Right, yeah. <laughs> but but the fact that Goofy not merely doesn't merely not say anything back, but shambles to his bed in an animation style that does not befit him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's almost like he lost the goof. That is a very conscious choice. Yeah, and he, and like, kind of that, I've like, very quotidian. Yeah. <laughs> that quotidian kind of, like, uh, rolling over, like, the fact that that's such a, like, realistic and simple mm-hmm. motion. Mm-hmm. As opposed to, like, you know, the bed, like, folding in and coming or something, you know, I mean, like, however <laughs> it would happen normally. It's heartbreaking. Like, this, like, he... Uh, like legitimately, he looks like he's in so much pain. Yeah, yeah. Like this betrayal, like like is killing him. Like that, I I don't know. Like the just the 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 cinematography of this moment, the fact that Goofy has been so happy go lucky up until now. Yeah, that this being the thing that breaks him, I just I like got legitimately affected by it. <laughs> the colors are desaturated. Like he's yeah, it's good shit. Yeah, absolutely. And then we go back to the road trip the next day. There's no talking, no nothing. And yes. then comes the... Like, Max looks guilty. I think at this point he at least suspects that Goofy knows that, the, yeah. that he changed the map. Well, right, because then there's the whole, like, left or right. <laughs> it's like, he took this trip so often with his own father. Like, he doesn't, like, you know. I, I like yeah. that he... Well, actually, I don't know how I he's feel about gi- it. He's he, giving Max the opportunity to come Enough rope clean. to hang himself, right? Like... yeah. It's actually a huge moment because Goofy handing him the map as opposed to taking it back is like he isn't just in 
in spirit giving Max a measure of responsibility. He's handing it over. He's like, it's so much more impactful now that he's seen evidence to the contrary that Max is going to do the right thing. Like, it's, again, it's just that real gesture of vulnerability that shows his real strength. Like, he can open himself up to this pain and rejection and still try to stay true to himself. Like, yeah. I'm kind of blown away by this gesture. I, I don't know why he does it, actually. Like, I, like what does he, like, you know, if we're going to... He believes in him. He thinks, so does, I, I does he hypothesis. give the map to him? Like, they have not communicated at all, right? Like, they haven't, like, all we know is not that overall. Goofy looks fucking bummed the fuck out. <laughs> and Max is, like, trying to cheer him up. But, like, Max has to think in this moment like like what like oh he's just having an off day no like something's yeah, no. wrong and max can put two and two together well, well, so here's yeah, my thought so then here's he's gonna hand me the map and i'm going to still make the wrong choice like I, I i'm not entirely sure i mean this is like a, like a serious like abraham bringing his son up the mountain to murder him like not, what like, is goofy thinking for, okay from from max's perspective it is that sort of like teenage not like their frontal lobe's not fully developed they're not making good choices and they're getting pulled in different directions that, that that's fine the goofy choice i think is really good because it shows real growth he's not being pulled in a direction by tradition he's not giving in mm-hmm. peer pressure and doing what he's finding his own way forward and he's hoping he's putting so much trust into his son that it will pay off and when it doesn't that's that's the kicker what you want to drive now too? <laughs> yeah, I, I I really do love this moment. And in classic Disney movie, almost over temptation, uh, Max fails him, right? And says, "Go to go to L.A. Don't go to the fishing spot where you're trying to go." And Goofy's mad dad face is kind of chilling. <laughs> well, Again, this, is, this character doesn't work with these expressions. <laughs> it's very weird. I do like the idea that you know. Uh, uh, the floodgates open like the floodgates of you know repression are broken down and finally like I never wanted to go on this stupid vacation you know like I you know I got a call from your principal it's like oh this is all the shit that we should have said two weeks ago but like you know now we've reached a boiling point where finally we can express ourselves and that catharsis that comes from it that you know that opening up is what ultimately heals them uh, you know, and uh, yeah. literally the floodgates open. They go, they get submerged in water. <laughs> yeah, this mm. this this counters the the seriousness. You know, they have to have some sort of levity in order to do that communication. So while they're having this serious conversation, they are like careening off of cliffs, slamming into rock formations, going underwater, going down a waterfall. Um, because otherwise death, it would just be two death people is not at each nearly other. as threatening as this relationship not working. <laughs> yes, yes. The stakes of a cartoon are completely different. It's it's a fairly good visual metaphor for the momentum that this conversation has. Right. Like as you were saying, the it's out of control. Opening. They can't stop themselves from just pouring their hearts out to each other. Um, I do like one line that Goofy has. Why bother? I'm too probably too stupid to understand anyway. Right. Yeah. Right. It shows that. He's not an idiot. Like, mm-hmm. he knows that Max is treating him kind of, you know, kind of shitty. And, and kind of like he's a doddering old fool who doesn't get it. Right. But he he ex- he understands that his, his son is going through a tough patch and just tries not to focus on it, tries not to make it about him. But maybe he can a little bit. Maybe he can also express to Max that it really hurts him. So just kind of 
you know, like the movie gets some flack for not letting Goofy be Goofy. I think that this fills out his character very nicely. Yeah, I mean, uh, they are putting, uh, they are using this uh, g- Goofy character. <laughs> I mean, there's no other way to describe him. No, you know, there's a reason. And, that he's and showing that, like, his first name is George, by the way. George Goof. Yep. George George G Goofy. George G Goofy. <laughs> or I think it's actually just Goof, but yeah. Uh, but the, you know the fact that like uh, we can't we can like use this goofiness. We can also you know have a three dimensionality, and it doesn't feel as ham fisted as say like 2002's Scooby Doo, where it's like they're trying to make Shaggy into a hero or something, and it's just <laughs> like well you're you're just kind of painting a personality onto this thing rather than you know using this effectively and yeah they're bringing goofy's nature like the way he the the way he purports himself to the world they're using that as a counterpoint to his relationship with his son and they both work in tandem right yeah yeah. and it comes to a head in the the line you mentioned earlier where the whole conflict of the movie is boiled down to something that a line that is memorable and gets the point across to both the children and parents in the audience i have my own life now i know that i just wanted to be a part of it like that is so clear and cuts through all the bullshit and like the kids understand it the parents understand it and it 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 that serves as the basis for growth yeah like that's the the foundation and that is takeawayable it's a little simple but it does work on me i think that this 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 scene, at least, should be required reading for every parent. <laughs> Why has this, or every, every child too, really? Like this, this. I agree. It does cut through all the bullshit and like shows what the what each side is really thinking. And right. that's really the problem that each of them has had is that you know Max has been thinking Goofy's wanted to make him like him, or has just been ignorant of what Max wanted. Goofy understands it. He just doesn't want to be left behind. Like mm-hmm. they are now communicating. They're they're now on the same. Imagine field. that. <laughs> um, and this is this is the first song since the Possum song. Yeah, this also might be the biggest <laughs> point of contention in uh, my relationship with my girlfriend. I fucking <laughs> love this song, and she's like, I don't get it. I don't like it. <laughs> she's it's like, this is boring, and okay. it depends on when in life you came to it. Like, yeah, right. otherwise it's too sad for a lot of people sure it is too sappy for me but they did need a way to break to break the tension and this is a good way to do it it's also like i don't know i like the way that it balances like uh uh like like stupid like cole porter-esque witticisms (laughs) with like you know sentimentality like you know and your music sounds like monkeys in a zoo you know it's like it, you know that's like straight out of fucking de lovely or something you know and it's yeah it's great it's good little bit of business gets us where we need to go like the waters have calmed we get to have you know this back and forth and the fucking fish gag which is great <laughs> yeah that's that's again because it's goofy right is the reason that that can happen yes is that he gets a huge grouper engulfing his whole leg <laughs> uh you you deal with the universe this way max i think the narrative utility of this song is better than the song itself but it's perfectly fine yeah. Nobody else but you It's crazy enough to believe we'll come through 
Um, and uh, we kind of see the aftermath where they're they're coasting down the river on top of the car, and Max is explaining, you know, why I lied, why I'm trying to sabotage this, and Goofy's like, okay, let's get you on stage. Immediately resolves to help him get on stage with Powerline. <laughs> like, right, he, yeah. he has no qualms about the logistics of this. Goofy's he problems have never been with reality. He's not headed down a bad path. And he understands what his goals are. He wants to help his son. Like, this is... I, I, I don't know. The immediacy of it yeah, just was like, really affecting. Well, and, and there is, there is like, a little bit of the writing reflecting that. Because, you know, he says, like, well, we got to get you on stage with that power line fella. And he's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, they, they go over a, a waterfall. Right, and you know Max. This Max saves Goofy by pulling so out Chekhov's cast. Well, well, yeah, he pulls out the perfect cast in order to rescue him. I, I'm a little conflicted about this because I do think that they the way they set it up, it made it obvious they were going to call it back later. Right, and if they had waited all the way until the finale to do it, it would have felt a yes. little weird. But this did feel eh. very extraneous. Well, this is really needless. Like I think this could have been cut entirely. Because they just resolved where they're trying to go. They've already had the emotional catharsis. The only thing that this does is, as you say, do the perfect cast, you know, Chekhov's gun thing. I don't think it was worth it. Yeah. Like, the song already did all of the emotional work that we needed. Right. Like, what is... Where does where is Max exactly? Like where is Max before the perfect cast, and where is he after the perfect cast? And how much emotional landscape has he traversed in that journey, that little micro journey? Like, because we've already established that they love each other, they're going to communicate now, and and they've already set up what they're doing for the finale. Yeah, maybe just gone to the finale. You, you know what? You know what it actually might be if we kind of break this apart. So the, the, the lead up to the perfect cast is it's actually an argument. Like, we got to get you on stage with that Powerline fella. And, like, Max rejects that. Like, he rejects the fact that Goofy, his father, can accomplish this, that, he, that this is a good idea. And that turmoil builds up, once again, reflecting in the, uh, the waters becoming more turbulent. Uh, sure. And then the moment that he saves him, that he does the perfect cast, it is this moment of trust, right? Like, I'm, I'm accepting the part of me that is you yeah, by doing lineage, this perfect cast, and I'm also saving your life. And, like, now, let's go to the concert. Like, I'm accepting this. I, I guess I didn't consider it from the visual metaphor perspective, the, like the idea that he rejects that Goofy can be helpful in his goals. Right. Um, and the water's kind of getting a little more turbulent of that uh, 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 as a result. And him being convinced that his dad can actually help him because he's using part of himself that comes from his dad to get them out of this situation, fish them out of this situation. Right. Story-wise, I, mean, it, I still it, think it, it's that's what's on happening. the side of extraneous. It's, ad- but, it's an addendum. Yeah, it doesn't yeah, serve I, a, I guess a so. plot or a character f- function. It's like a visual grammar thing where, like, you know how you don't want two of the same word in the same sentence if it's, like, not a, not just a... Not additive? Not Yeah, it's not additive and it feels weird. It's like if you go too long without calling back something, it, it feels weird when it comes back. It feels more like a deus ex machina than it is. Right. But but this feel this feels almost like pandering because... 
the song already did everything in this scene. Yeah, I think they should have worked it into the song, honestly. I think Max should have been doing it, like, on the car to get a fish to, like, hey, how about that? Hmm. Like, that, that no, would have that, sold that it for me. That could have worked. Yeah. No, I mean, saving really Goofy's life, I think, is... It's a, it's, it's a good bit of business, but, like, it's not organically... <laughs> like, as a standalone scene, it's great, but it doesn't fit the... It, interrupts the flow doesn't fit the moment right. it's, it's weird that like in most movies the scene where the son saves the father's life in a grand gesture like normally that would be plot important <laughs> it's literally <laughs> uh, so i mean important. if we're going campbellian on this it's literally an atonement with the father <laughs> but if we're going goofy and if we're going disnonian on it uh <laughs> goofy was never in any danger right yeah uh, so we can we can fast forward to the concert Yep, and this just happens like they did. Fast, <laughs> How did they is, get there? Just, yeah, How did they is, get in these things? F- fuck it. <laughs> we no, need to honestly, get through I this think movie. That that's a good decision. Like, we don't need to know it. We got the emotional catharsis. All we need to do is wrap up the plot in a bow. Fine. I do like, as fast as you need to go. I do genuinely love when movies do that. When when there's just a moment of like, where do we need to go? How do we get there? Ah, fuck it. We're there. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, right? We are writing this movie, right? Like we don't Take have to. <laughs> we don't have to justify it now. Yeah. Now, we see this both from uh, uh, their perspective and from the perspective of the of Max's friends back home who are watching it. Right. This this party is like. They seem disappointed that Max isn't on stage immediately. Yeah, like he's supposed to show up in the opening number. These kids are so fucking you know, gullible. Our friend that we've known, presumably, <laughs> like, what are they? Juniors in high school? Like, yeah, presumably, yeah, it's, they've it's known him like at least three years. <laughs> like, and he's never once mentioned. <laughs> and this bizarre, um, weird thing that like takes me out of it every time I see it, which is that Stacy, the the Roxanne's friend, is wearing this like feather cap. <laughs> Oh, it's great. <laughs> no one's in, co- like, it's not a costume party. No, nope, like no nope. the- <laughs> full on headdress for this chick. It's like, do you think you're at Coachella? She's the quirky <laughs> friend, you know? She's, she really is. Yeah. She's got all the 90s quirks of the best friend. Like, like what's the point? Like, why? She, she's fashionable, <laughs> but she's also, like, a little bit outrageous, you know? Uh-huh. Uh-huh, sure. Uh, uh, but, uh, Pete they, spits they out his the, beer. They have the song. Powerline does the song uh, Eye to Eye. Great song. This is, this is hypnotic. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Um, I think it's a great pop song. I love the dancing. Yeah. Powerline is so charismatic, even though he doesn't have like dialogue per se. Yeah, he, I do think that Ruby Rod combined with Michael Jackson is absolutely correct. Mm. <laughs> uh, but uh, what happens here is that you know, like the the, the minutia of it kind of boils away. Goofy and Max end up on stage. Oh, we don't want to <laughs> go deep details of the, the hilariously fat opera singer. And how Goofy <laughs> no, like breaks I, I mean, into like, her room and like the face he does where he's like, oh, I'm so bashful. <laughs> yeah, with the like twirling his, his twirling his finger around his ear. As if it was hair, yeah. Let's get into yeah. it. What is Goofy's type? Like, is this, like, is she, is the universe that we're in, is she portrayed, like, is it just that she's wearing sexy underwear? And so no, he's like, Goofy. oh, sexuality. <laughs> like, that Goofy, makes Goofy the- doesn't respond to normal, like, sexual provocation it's all like does he hear the like that's the only thing that gets him going <laughs> it's it's the, it's the circumstance yeah he's not attracted to bodies he's attracted to minds there you go sure. uh, uh, 
Um, they end up on stage. They're though. on stage. But like, who cares how it happens? The audience they, they like, oh, we had some classic antics of, you know, the uh, overly gruff stage hand. Uh, yeah. I mean, this is like, this this action sequence, it feels like, you know, Brave Little Toaster or like uh, 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 doodle or something, yeah. you know? <laughs> and it's well-trod ground. And they, like, people are looking at them like, oh, you're kind of ruining the show. And Max says to Goofy, do the perfect cast. And the motions yeah. without the rod... Looks like a pretty good day. <laughs> yeah, and that's the moment that they should have called the Chekhov gun back. Uh huh. They like don't do it twice. Who does it twice? There is. How do you use gun? a Chekhov's gun twice? There's more than one bullet in the gun. There is. You have to clean and maintain your gun if you want to be responsible about its use, Ben. Uh, uh, oh, so, so that was their practice gun. That was Second their practice Amendment. Gun. Anyways. The 90s were a much better time for gun regulations. So, but here's the other thing about this perfect cast moment. Max shouts out, dude, like, everybody's frozen, like, deer in headlights. Everybody's like, oh, no. Goofy's like, Fuck. Power lines like, oh, the backup dancers are like, what? And like, Max comes up with this brilliant idea do the perfect cast. Goofy has a realization. This is the, this is literally what you see happen on his face. <laughs> oh, what Max wants me to do <laughs> is use the perfect cast as a dance move which because dancing for these people looks like my fishing moves and he goes maverick like he no, no, no. he goes beyond the perfect cast <laughs> and just starts freestyling perfect cast esque moves because he's like mm-hmm. well this is what dancing is to to this no, generation no, no. You see, to, to this these is, people this is emblematic of the yeah. themes because goofy's tried listening to his father and his friend and himself now he's listening to Max. He's not thinking about what Max means. He's just doing what Max says, and it Which feels is, great, man. It's great. It's, yeah, it's a trust funny is little moment, because he, he just he starts going off the rails with it. Like, he and goes Powerline beyond the perfect And joins guess. in, and he's like, oh, yeah, this, this is my this new, is the new dance craze. I'm not certain I wouldn't have rather had them had, a, like, a history of some sort, but this, this also works very well. Like, the notion that Goofy in his own you know, cosmically perverted way is cool. Like, if you look at it from the right angle, it registers as cool. Yeah. Um, and that power line's picking up on it. That's that's a nice moment. Yeah. Yeah. It's a... It's... I, I think that it kind of rounds out the drama nicely. It feels like a nice pin to, like, yeah. you know, for our climax, yeah. and then, you know, we can now get the, the, uh, the epilogue as it were. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. And and it also happens very quickly, which is they return to what I assume is called Goofberg or something. Uh, <laughs> and they they Was it Max not on the map? Roxanne. I can't remember <laughs> if it, if there's starting Buddy, I location. I tried to decipher the map. I told you. All I know is all the goofies. <laughs> uh. uh and yeah, he, he goes to see Roxanne. To come clean, um, yeah. Goofy kind of gives him some decent fatherly advice, but, you know, doesn't take control of the situation. And yeah. he admits that he lied to her. And she tells him that the reason that she fell in love with him to begin with 
or whatever passes for love at this age yeah. is the goof laugh. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. When you were vulnerable, the mm-hmm. first time he, you yucked in front of me, I was just overwhelmed with sexual emotions as a dog. And then when you said teen. that you, you know, couldn't go to a party because your dad was shanghaiing you into a fishing trip, that's when I fell out of love with you. <laughs> I am governed by pheromones alone and have no emotional thought process. But now that you're here in the epilogue, here I am for you. <laughs> also, Dad, get the fuck out of here. Dad, God. Uh, they do an awkward but, teen kiss, and then Goofy uh, goofies, and he his car explodes. Right. Yeah. He crashes through the roof, and uh, Max isn't embarrassed. A Goofy's got a goof, you know? It's it's character growth, I'm told. I, I love uh, the final line of the movie is uh, when... Enchante. When, you know. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah he he says this is my dad goofy and he says it with pride and then his response immediate enchanté mademoiselle as he's <laughs> like, stuck where... in the roof right like he's like he, I, yeah. I, yes it's so good juxtaposition i love like, i love high society and like low class i, yeah, I can be of... suave in this incredibly compromising situation like blood is rushing to my head like i am yep. upside down you all remember that one time that Humphrey Bogart proposed while on the toilet. It's the same kind of thing. <laughs> I love. I just love Goofy in that he's like, you know, he's played up as a dumb guy, but really he's quite intelligent when he decides to be. And I, yeah. I think that's a little encapsulation there. He's making choices. Yep. He's not. He's not. It's not an absence of awareness it's just that these are the choices he chooses like he has yeah. agency he you know? likes being a goofball it makes him happy it makes the people around him happy right yeah mm-hmm. it lets the cartoon so, yeah, physics that, happen and that that happened really quick but it is now the end of the movie and they just cut it unceremoniously into the credits <laughs> so uh yeah that's that's a goofy movie What do you guys think about it on on rewatch or on recollection? Like overall, what are your impressions? You know, I, I, I do try to divorce the nostalgia from, you know, like an objective reasoning. Um, and I, I think I think where I land overall is sure there are some flaws but i think by and large like this movie's pretty damn strong you know it mm-hmm. follows a nice structure it the the emotions are real you know it it seems like for all the cartoonishness the the parts that they choose to take seriously are thought out and and done done well period you know yeah, yeah. The, the you know i think that it it was really obvious that people who wrote and you know kind of help bring the movie together really understood the goofy character like uh i know that it gets or how it's, to gets use harangued a little yeah i i think it gets harangued a little bit for like doing things that goofy would never do but i don't really want 50s goofy yeah in a movie about raising his son <laughs> for an hour like i want half. that fleshed out and framing it as my my childhood was a little bit sillier than you are comfortable with and trying to come like trying to bridge that gap like it was just a really good metaphor yeah yeah and, and the quality was there and like this is a loaded term the movie was heartwarming and usually that term means that it's sappy and like overwrought but no it's actually like a very charming honest movie um the way i think of it is like 
there's some movies where like, oh, you got to see this in the theater or like you got to watch this in a dark room alone. This is a movie that is best watched as an annual tradition on Father's Day. Like that's what this is. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I'm fine with that. That you grow to enjoy more each year. Mm. It's it's not a very textured movie. Like it's just a simple father and son come mm-hmm. together and appreciate and understand each other kind of movie. But like it knows that it's in that space. It doesn't try to be more than that, and it hits. It aims low and hits it. I yeah, think. I mean it's not uh, a Bobcat Goldthwait movie by any stretch of the imagination. You know, it's not trying to subvert anything. It's it's literally it's giving you a pie and being like, here's a pie, and you're like, thank you for pie. You still like pie, don't you, son? Yeah, right? That's that's the <laughs> end of it, you know? Um, the entertainment delivery value, I think, is pretty good if you care for Goofy at all or are into 90s Disney product. You just kind of get more of it. I didn't really find any real weaknesses in it. The couple things that I didn't love, I, I wasn't crazy on the soundtrack, although I'm glad to hear that you had a higher opinion of it. The pacing felt off. Like, they really rushed to an ending there. I think that the waterfall sequence was kind of unnecessary. For the most part, though, like, I don't have a lot to complain about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's really aesthetically pleasing because these are the animation styles that I both grew up with and, like, have seen replicated and uh, interpreted in, in so many different ways by this point. And... You know, I, just, I, I don't know, man. I love this movie. Yeah, this the, quality, really the quality of the craft is telling because, like, these are the tools they have practiced and used and know how to do, Disney does. And, um, you know, they weren't trying to break the medium or push forward boundaries so they could just embrace the fact that they knew what they were doing with this. Yeah, they, they're able to focus a little bit more on story and a little bit more on, you know, kind of these fun elements and just, you know, put together, just put together a movie, man. <laughs> Just do it. Just like you have an hour. Yeah, right. And, uh, you know, Goofy had been sidelined as a character for long enough before Goof Troop that I'm really glad he had this kind of moment in the sun. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because I I value the character pretty highly. Like, I I think he is at his core, great slapstick and a good attitude. And there's, I have appetite for it. Mm. Hell yeah. Gavel bang quorum. (laughs) And that's been the quorum. That, that's been the quorum. Thank you so much, Nick, for joining us for a Goofy movie. I hope that uh, we, we did it you. some justice. I hope that we enjoyed it relatively along the same lines that you did. Uh, I Honestly, I am like, I feel like I've just gone through like an emotional workout. Like I feel like, <laughs> like, I, like, I, like I just had like runner's high, <laughs> like off of dissecting <laughs> this movie. Like it was, it was mm-hmm. super fun. <laughs> yeah. It's just, uh, it just feel good if you let it be. Um, yeah, so, uh, again, where can people find you? Uh, yeah, you can check out the backlog of What's With You Scooby-Doo on, uh, any of your, um, uh, podcasting preferred applications. Uh, uh, basic premise of the show is that I invite someone over to my apartment and, uh, we watch an episode of Scooby-Doo together from anywhere in the franchise and then, uh, break it down and typically talk about absolutely everything but (laughs) Scooby-Doo. Yeah. The episode that you had both of us on for when we were all in the same room <laughs> is probably the high point of my podcasting career. I think that was the best we have ever been. Is that, any is of that us. when the toes were in the rumpus room? <laughs> the toes yes, in the rumpus that room? was the haunted house hangout. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, that's a good time. Yeah. And uh, you can also catch Nick on uh, many episodes of Empowered. Um, frequent contributor, and yep. that's where I've been hearing your voice most recently. Yeah, that's where some uh, crime must be doing. <laughs> <laughs> some crime, some crime must, must have been, have been doing. doing. <laughs> yeah. 
So, uh, yeah, if, uh, th thank you so much for joining us. Um, if you are interested, well, wait, no. Next up, yes, that's the next thing that happens. Zane, what are we doing next? Uh, well, then, next up, we are going to watch uh, Frisky Dingo, which uh, we did this a little out of or our normal order, but I think we don't care that much about order anymore. We're fine. Um, <laughs> I've watched all of Frisky Dingo, and I don't have a single thing to say about it, so that'll be a fun cool. one. <laughs> that'll be undirected and a mess <laughs> um but this was simple so that maybe that'll be a good change of pace and, and after for Halloween, that ben, same... how about after, uh, okay <laughs> and ben after that i'm for sorry Halloween, i should have given you the what map. are we doing i also want to talk um <laughs> you may not somebody mute him uh after that we are uh we've, we've got our halloween segment coming back again which means that it's time for dan caves to come back on the show and we will be watching something that i've been waiting for a long time courage the cowardly dog Mario. i'm stoked yeah stupid dog you made me look bad yeah we we've done so many of the staple horror genres by this point it'll be nice to do like some like lovecraftian horror for kids yeah a little a little, <laughs> little bit more trick and treat trick or treat kind of horror yeah um but sometimes a lot just a lot of trick uh, that'll be fun, and it'll be a delight to have Dan Caves on again. Um, but if you have anything to say about Frisky Dingo or Courage the Cowardly Dog, dear listener, go ahead to Apple Podcasts uh, and leave us a rating, a review, and a comment. You can go to our Facebook page or our website, fancybat.com slash cartoncast. Um, go to our contact page there and drop us a line about anything that you happen to think about either of those shows or with show recommendations, uh, and we'd be happy to hear from you. And more than anything else, please just tell your friends about the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, do you want to? Do you want to give as our guest? Would you like to give us some sort of uh, goofy esque sign off? Uh. uh, uh <laughs> you want to? You want to do a, a a bit of singing from one of the songs from this uh, episode? Uh. uh do you need a, a a break from modern living? Do you long <laughs> to shed your weary load? If your brain is, hands are tight. Uh, grab a friend and hang on tight together. Out on the open road, road on the road again. Just can't wait to get on the road again. Man, I start making music with my friend. I just can't wait to get on the road again. You could take out every word in that song and replace it with a similar sounding twang, and like comes across. Yep. Yeah, you get it. You you know what Willie Nelson's about. First go like this, spin around, stop, double take three times. One, two, three. Then pelvic thrust. Woo! Woo! Stop on your right foot, don't forget it.